Joshua Michael, I got my best friend over there in Tulsa, Mr. Colin. How you doing, brother? You got it. <laughs> it's always a doing? mix between whether or not we're talking about the Prodigy or the Crystal Method. I think <laughs> it, it's 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 pretty confusing. Or Uncle, or Orbital, or uh... oh, Orbital's only got a handful of little wave file uh, voiceover bits that you can do. You get more out of Chumbawamba. Oh, gross. <laughs> Gross. <clears throat> what was that movie? They had a they had a sound bite at the beginning of their one hit wonder that was from a Brast Off. It was from Brast Off, like a big band. It was an Ewan I McGregor thought, movie. I thought that they played that Chumbawamba song from the Home Alone three preview. What? Home yeah, Alone three? God. Yeah. Why? I, I think it was. I think it was from Home Alone three that that's where <laughs> that was on the commercial. That could have been. I mean, what was it? We had a couple of Home Alone movies that were worth watching, and then we had one that completely wasn't. What it was, nineteen ninety seven or something. That makes sense. I think that's Sp- speaking of Macaulay, uh, Home Alone. We're going to be referencing Macaulay Culkin in a little bit, which is going to be a lot of fun. But uh, you were telling me that you're not feeling too good right now. Oh, I'm probably rolling a fever right now. I feel like there's an egg in my throat. Now there's some a-hole outside with this car alarm going off. That always makes me feel chipper. Uh, no, I just I feel like I might have an ear infection. We'll see. We'll see. I've been um, doing the neti pot and sitting around at the house this weekend trying not to spend money. So, I understand, man. Yeah. Shit's, shit's lean. Shit's tight. I'm working like fucking 50, maybe like uh, 55, maybe 60 hours a week now just to, you know, get the get what I need to get done taken care of but it makes me feel good because I'll leave work and I'll high five Jill and she's like what's up and I'm like maximum fucking effort and she's <laughs> like cool yeah I try to but yeah, let's... I try to have as much work as possible in a week and uh, it's just not happening and then I think about what I'm making versus what the rest of America is making and I'm going damn I should shut up but then I'm like okay we're down today or whatever and sometimes I have to go find something else to do but uh, I'm Dude, probably going to start I, stripping soon. I don't know. I remember that frustration, man. When I was waiting tables at Johnny Carino's and Norman, like uh, if you were waiting tables on a football day and we lost, you were fucked. Oh, yeah. Everybody just whole, goes home sad. That's, that's normal. Yeah, everyone just goes home sad or they come in pissed and they don't want to tip. Or if uh, a, a natural disaster prevents you from making money that day, no one comes in. Which, by the way, when a tornado is like uh, five, six hundred yards away from a Johnny Carino's, uh, dumbass Oklahomans will still roll in with their fucking fat fucking kids, <laughs> uh, wanting some spaghetti and meatballs. And um, I remember we'd we'd have to go like the sirens would go off and they get too dangerous, and we'd have to go to the tornado shelter, which is like translation uh, a bathroom. Yeah. And I remember thinking there sitting there and I'm like 
I'm not going to die in a fucking bathroom with a bunch of fucking strangers. <laughs> and, uh, well, I, I digress. I digress. Uh, no, I, was, I mean, I know what you're saying. It's funny now because you go into most public spaces in Oklahoma and they don't have a tornado shelter or a uh, suggested refuge. They have a safer area. Because yeah. <laughs> liability, oh, I thought this was a safe area. I thought this was hardened. I thought that I'd be okay and my everybody would be all right. No, it's a safer area, safer than standing around in the middle of the library with shelves that are all going to fall over on you like dominoes. Yeah. Safer yeah. than the flying debris. Safer. Like the, uh, That's ridiculous. Like the uh, sit under your desk and uh, put your hands between your knees and kiss your ass goodbye because an atomic <laughs> bomb is about to happen. <laughs> yeah. Bert the turtle, for real. Yeah. Yeah, anyone anyone in the vicinity that can hear me, if uh, you have not made one with your God or experienced the beauty of lovemaking, um, <laughs> <laughs> please go ahead and do so. Uh, I do want to tell a story about you, actually. I Uh-oh. was on the way to – I was leaving – we lived on the east side of Norman, okay. and I had to work a catering event, and I needed a tie. And it was raining. Or it was, there was, it was Tornadoes are supposed to happen. And I look at my sister because the weather people don't know shit. But my sister is a pilot, so she knows weather better than those assholes do. Trust me, uh-huh. it's true. <clears throat> hey, is it cool if I go to Ross and get uh, a tie? She's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Nothing's going to happen here in Norman. I get around on Highway 9, crossing by that shell, get on the I-35, mm-hmm. and then boom, just rain like I've never seen it before. Like even like worse than Guam and like – I couldn't see, and then I start going up the overpass to get on I-35, go over I-35 uh, off of Lindsay, and I'm about to go up that, and my phone rings, and I look at it, and it's you, and it says tornado and I-35 and Lindsay, and I'm like, holy shit, and I literally, <laughs> were, literally where I was, and I go down the, the embankment, uh, and there's a bunch of dumbass idiots parked underneath the fucking overpass, which is the worst thing you can do, because uh, it creates a vacuum and they'll suck your ass out and Mm -hmm. i'm driving i'm flooring it in my little s10 which was lowered by the way in about two feet of water and i'm like jesus i'm scared shitless and i i'm starting to make it out from under the overpass and i look up and then here comes that fucking cyclone and i'm like oh my god i'm gonna die what am i gonna do and then i like have you has your brain ever like just did something completely you what did Tyler Durden take control? What happened? It, it was like my brain said, like, oh, like, "How can I put it in perspective?" All of a sudden, I had a flashback of a memory that my brain just hit me with yeah. from when I when I first like, God, it had to have been like in two thousand and maybe three, and I was taking a shit at the Hastings in Norman, <laughs> and um, I I look up in the stall and I see a sign that is just made on like up on top of the on the wall really high it says this is our tornado shelter and then my brain just fed me that yeah and i was not yeah go to like it fed me that that visual from like eight nine years beforehand and i get there and there's a shitload of people there and we see this tornado just go boom 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 and you and that's the that's the tornado that took out that flower shop across the speeding bullet Oh right, and uh-huh. and and fucked up, and then I'm watching this shit happen. I'm like, at uh, on Porter Avenue in Norman, Oklahoma. In case you oh, want right to go shop Robinson. there, you should right totally go shop there. Yeah, there's a Bronx close there too. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you should totally go shop there. Matt Price and Dan, they're 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 the tits. 
<laughs> All right. They're the tits. Anyway, uh, I, I don't know why I brought that up other than the fact that I would I would have been driving over that overpass. Yeah. And I, I would probably be dead. Yeah, man, I was working at the uh, – I was doing a commercial that day, and we were up at Oklahoma City Community College filming in their world-class soundstage because uh, they have a really excellent film and video program there. And, um, yeah, we were being crazy and, like, bringing the cars out from, from outside into the soundstage to avoid hail. And uh, we all kind of stopped, and I had this grip friend of mine who was – watching the news instead of working. I was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I'm watching the news because I'm concerned my dogs are outside and they're in Norman. And I was like, oh, yeah, because he's also married his wife. And I think he had his baby by then and everything. But it was this whole deal for him because Norman was getting mailed. And, yeah, that's why I saw that and I uh, I phoned you up. Or I texted you at least because yeah, I, I don't was, think I was uh, able to get a hold of you. You were quite, uh, quite appreciated for that. After that, I... Uh... We quit that job, and then I got a job down in Bricktown, and I worked double shifts for three fucking months, and then I got the fuck out of fucking Oklahoma. <laughs> and anyway, um, we've got some great comics. We've got a lot of great, oh, yeah. good things to talk about this week. Um, briefly, I want to touch on the fact that I forgot to return this Marvel Comics history encyclopedia, and I was trying to get the uh, binding fixes, got ruined, and then I looked online, and the library said I only own $35 for the book. So, yeah, I'll give you $35 for a $50 book, gladly. <laughs> yeah, then no don't problem. worry about that binding. Because <coughs> you'll probably be able to find that thing even cheaper at a thrift store in no time. But that is a good book. My son has that book, and we sat and looked at it a lot of times. But uh, we've got uh, – I'm going to go through, through the list of comics that we're going to go through uh, in, at the tail end of this – uh, we're going to briefly touch on Thanos number 5, Thor number 16, Doctor Strange number 18, Venom number 16 and 17, Absolute Carnage number 2, Fantastic Four, uh, Fancy... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Typo. <laughs> yeah. Yancey Street number 1. Goddamn fucking Apple autocorrect. Uh, what we're really going to pay attention to is Justice League number 30, You're the Villain, Amazing Spider-Man number 28, which we're going to shit on for about 10 seconds. Spider-Man Life Story number six, uh, the 10s, Marvel Comics number 1000, and House of X number three. Mm-hmm. But last night was all out. Yeah, dude, I could not find a way to watch it, and I am too broke to have paid for it, so. It's all right, man. Uh, <laughs> what are you there's do? a lot of stuff. Um, there's a lot. We paid for it. I sent you every variation of the fucking password and, and login because I had to use... Mine wasn't working for some reason. It kept mm-hmm. telling me there was an error, and then I'd bought it four times, and it wouldn't work. So I wonder we, if I should check uh, out, like, a Buffalo Wild Wings or some crap next time. Oh, that would be... Dude, that's something... Why don't we do that? Why don't that would we, be like, nuts. see... It just occurred to me. No, why don't we just see if in our respective areas, if we can find the people that are really into wrestling, and then find a, a good bar that would put that on for us, for us and, give us a, and give us a drink special, because we're guaranteed bringing in 10 people. Or that's 20 legit. people. That's a great idea. Or, or 20 people. Yeah, I know. I know it, well, no, you know what? I keep thinking, oh, yeah, and we just talked about Norman. And I was like, yo, I live in Norman. I don't live in Norman. And there's a guy yeah. in Norman that I know I could get together with and watch WrestleMania and stuff like that. His name's Bo. Uh, huh. Anyway, carry on. Not to mention. No, we, we, what, we, we got together what, at my buddy Randy's Josh house. Josh and Christine are up here. What's, what yeah. am I thinking? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I missed it now. A little forethought. Okay. Sorry. But anyway, so we had some trouble. It wouldn't load on his projector in his garage. Luckily, um, 
Dude, they used to fuck with me, like, why do you have so much fucking cables when you're DJing? I don't know. I might need this random fucking thing. And then it got to the point when I was DJing, I'd get a phone call from a dude that was DJing, like, downtown when I'm at some shithole, like, up, to, like, on Northwest Expressway. You have that connector that goes this, this, and this? And I'm like, yeah, come get it, but fucking give it back. <laughs> and like, <laughs> thank you, thank you, you saved my ass. And I always had, like, a couple little extra, like, um, quarter-inch plug-ins for, for your headphones and that sort of thing. But, um... Man, I'm getting like, man, we're we're all Way over the place. Track. Way we gotta, yeah, we gotta we gotta roll this in. in. Well, anyway, uh, all, I'm gonna we're gonna focus on all out uh, on a different episode, but I do want to concentrate on a couple things that really stuck out. Uh, Arn Anderson coming out to fuck up Tully Blanchard and actually starting some four horsemen beef. Uh, uh, Davy, that's the sound of me I, nodding appreciatively. If you can't see me, everybody. Yeah, I can't see you either. Did you turn your camera? I off? did. I turned the camera off because you were getting choppy. That's fine. I'll take mine off too. Anyway, right, I don't want to look at you, anyways. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so havoc uh, getting uh, a mouthful of tax, and then them duct taping him, and then beating the shit out of him, mm. and then using the cracker barrel, the cracker barrel barrels as get the barrels, and watching some serious melee with cracker barrel barrels. It was amazing. Uh, I do need to point out, I used to work the cracker barrel. Uh, I still have nightmares about it. Really? When I worked there, my boss told me that the Cracker Barrel will never, ever franchise and never, ever in any way involve itself in anything other than Cracker Barrel-related uh, business. The Young okay. Bucks and the Elite were always stopping at Cracker Barrels starting about two, two, three years ago and taking pictures about them being there. They made specialty hats for them. Every time I went to the Cracker Barrel, I'd be like, hey, do you guys have this hat? And they're like, no. What is, what is this, and why do people keep asking about this? And... <laughs> <laughs> well, they they put they put over the Cracker Barrel so well over Twitter. The Cracker Barrel put them over too, and was actually the one of the main sponsors and catered All In. They did the same thing no for way. All Out. And if you watch All In, you'll see that they've got some of the rocker chairs around the ring. And this for All Out, they still had the barrels, but the the for the hardcore match, which was fucking great. Bad Boy Joy Janela was amazing, and um. They use the barrels, and now it's a thing. Is get like when you hear you know, you know get the tables. Now it's get the barrels. That, that's bar that's that's going to be a thing. And also the fact that all is right in the world right now because Y2J, Chris Jericho, my hero, my lord and savior, is now the very first AEW champ. I fucking called it, and that's what I got for this week. Other than <laughs> talking about. The I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, jump in there on that. Uh, I don't remember. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I saw some random post from a dude working at a barbecue stand in Tulsa uh, that Matt Hardy stopped in there. and got. His I heard that. Oh, my God. Matt Hardy looked like a million bucks in that picture. He looked fit. He looked healthy. He looked built. And I'm like, is it just like the camera angle or is he this badass? Like, God, he looked incredible. I don't care how old he is. I think he's I think he's de-aging. I think he's 10 years younger than he really is. He That's one of my favorite stories. That's one of my favorite stories that you can say is because I remember when he, we used to call him Fat Hardy after. Oh, well, uh, he's, yeah, he's gone back and forth since I've known him. Well, just the spiral he went down when because he was great until Lita fucking cheated on him with Edge, and then they worked it into the goddamn story like I a bunch of fucking that bastards. That's awful. I, it's it's awful. It's yeah. it's awful. And oh, but now it's different. Lita, if you look at Lita, she. Her Instagram is a lonely, very hot woman taking photos in exotic places trying to look happy. 
There you go. That's what happens when you cheat, guys. <laughs> yeah, you might yep. be uh, able to spend that money, but uh, you ain't going to do it with somebody that matters. No, no, not at all. Not at no. all. Just you, It's one of those things like that. Just, you know, pick your battles and pick your friends. And Jesus, like when someone tells you they've got a crack cocaine problem, you probably don't want to hang out with them. Or if they're like, yeah, I cheated on my last girlfriend or boyfriend. Like, yeah, great. Uh, I am. You've officially told me the reason why I should never trust you under any circumstances because you'd literally like, okay, the, they may or may not in any way betray me. But what I'm hearing you just can't is them. you can't because they literally flat out said I was involved with someone that was supposed to be so important to me and I completely wronged them. What do you think I'll do to you? So that being the case um, right now at this moment, the uh, minefields comics podcast would like to, extend and offer to anybody who has a crack cocaine problem that if you've got an issue and you need help let us know and we'll see what we can do for you we don't have any money we, we aren't getting paid for this but we can point you in the right direction at the very least we'll talk to you we'll tell you you know addiction is no good man i'm dealing with a, an addiction that i'm trying to take care of i'm on a pretty good pretty good end with it um this sobriety thing kind of sucks uh, and um, I'm doing the best that I can with that, and and uh, there's other stuff I don't want to talk about right now. But I mean, everybody's got something that's bothering them, and I recommend everybody watching Train Spotting too. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's a good, that's a good way to put it. <clears throat> that's it's just that movie. That movie hit me at exactly the time in my life where I was ex- like experiencing a lot of similar situations to those guys. I'm not going to say I robbed a bunch of Catholics or, uh, no, I, I get uh, it. Yeah. I remember, that, you know, I, that whole business. I'm just saying, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. It really comes down to the business of like, who are your friends and how do you manage these, these, uh, addictions, these emotional cru- crutches that you've built for yourself and how do you, how do you turn it around? No, I remember that you called yeah. me literally Right after you were like, you left the movie theater uh-huh. and you were like walking through the doors and calling me and telling yeah. me that 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 you had some shit settled and it was nice to hear that. Oh yeah, I had to wait. I had to ball openly for about two and a half hours, but I was all right after it. Uh, but I, I I owed you one after I uh, I don't remember what, Jesus. Yeah, I think it was after it was after, but I I owed you one after I left the fucking Force Awakens like completely beside <laughs> myself. Is this what you 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 felt like when you left the Phantom Menace? And you're like, yes, dude. Now now feel every tear, you Phantom feel Menace it. loving they asshole. They have ruined you. Feel it. <laughs> uh, God, okay, so we talked about that last awesome. week, but but even right. then, whatever. What else? Um, we got? You got a new Tool album, I understand. A very new Tool album, and I feel sorry for any of you motherfuckers out there that uh, forgot or didn't make it to the record store to buy Fear Inoculum, because it was, uh, you'll see the MSRP being $60, it was actually $35 if you bought it the day of. I was going to go with my homegirl Ashley, who has a Fibonacci sequence tattooed on the side of her fucking head. And you get that checked out. Oh, normally, yes. (laughs) Sorry. However... Oh, don't be sorry, man. Like, I mean, like any, anytime you'd see that, I can, I can understand that, but any cool chick I've ever met that was like that in the tool has always been a stand up citizen friend, good person to be around someone that will answer the phone at 2am when you're sad and, you know, and make you cookies when you know, that's, they know that's your favorite cookie. And 
uh, Ashley is just such a good person to work with. And I was like, Hey, yeah, let's, let's get together. We'll, we'll go, we'll go buy the album together. Uh, I'll slide my shift. Turned out I couldn't slide my shift. And I was like, uh, can't slide my shift. She's like, Hey, don't worry about it. I'll get it for you. I'm going in the morning. She, she, I wake up in the morning. She texts me, text messages me. Of, like they opened the record store early that I actually said there, she said there was a huge line. Everyone was there only to buy tool. And she, she sent me a photo just to reassure me. This is me holding your copy of fear inoculum. Do not worry. It's in hand. And I was like, wow. Um, it was one of those moments where even though it's a little thing, we're like, I'm a good person. People give a shit about me. My life is worth something. Just that little bit of just like, I know you're worried about this. So here's the photo that it's that you're safe. I've got, I've got this baby taken care of. And now it's going for like upwards of like, I saw like, it yeah. starts like at buy it now 90 and I saw one go up to like three, some greedy asshole wanted it for like $300, what? but it's really cool. Yeah. If it, it's, it's a museum quality paper. For the entire book, um, it's actually got a CD in it. It comes with the the charging cable, and it's got a 15 minute long uh, video that plays that plays when you actually, there's a there's a little high uh, uh, a high def screen in it. Like it's about I want to say two and a half by by no uh, maybe three by two. It's gonna take your eyes a bit to adjust to it because I swear to God, it's like if you've ever played a Nintendo 3DS, it takes your eye a minute to figure out what what it's what it's processing and it's supposed to be the infinity song mm-hmm. like like a like because when when tool releases a new album there's always some mythos to it like there's a secret like message embedded in the in the liner notes or pictures of Ten Thousand days and if you just got to figure it out and no one i've never seen anyone figure it out but this one is supposed to be the theory that it's an infinite song. And right. this record in no way is if you're looking for a single don't don't pick up this record. This the record is what it, it's it's an entire set piece. When with Keith was leaked by 9 Inch Nails and he had an entire alternate reality thing or no no it was a uh, year zero I can't it was year zero or whatever. Um he was pissed that they ruined his artistic presentation because no one gives a shit about CDs anymore. This shit didn't get leaked. There was like one opening video where someone showed them opening it preliminarily. But no, this was a perfect, a perfect system. It opens like a triptych and museum quality paper. The first thing that stands out is other than how good the artwork is again, they've got um, everyone that's ever been involved with tool that it's somewhere been involved with, with the artwork on this and the lyrics are printed on the, on the book, which they've never done before. And the rumor is that like, they're different on different versions of the CD and okay, oh, wow. whatever. Yeah, we don't. Okay, fine. I, I'm done. I don't care, but I'm glad the mythos is still there that there's some secret weird bullshit happening with tool. Uh, it's one that you have to listen to from start to finish digest it and i feel like this and just to give just a quick brief review i think this was them telling us it's gonna be okay after everything that they've involved us in and and uh whatever psychotropic drugs you might have wanted to take uh while listening to tool not that it's necessary but they 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 reach a lot of different existential ideas 
And I think this was finally them being like, hey, it's going to be okay. Whatever you felt or saw, it's okay. You can still run with it. But that's just my initial my initial idea of what's going on. It's going to take me a while to digest this record. A lot okay. of my buddies have, have told me, like, yeah, this is – what did you think? And, like, like honestly, if you're a, a true music fan, like, I don't know what I think yet. There's too much for me to digest here. Like, I can't say, oh, I like it, I, I hate it. No, like, it, it's something that needs to be explored, and I really hope everyone that uh, got the – got the got the cd cherishes it and doesn't try to like make 300 bucks on ebay for it but even then if you're just listening to it on itunes or whatever you want to you know you, you get the you get the good the good stuff from it but i appreciate you asking and let me talk about tool jesus See, i just i don't know man i mean a lot of people give me grief about not tool. liking tool that much it's not that i don't like them it's just that i don't care and there's a lot of stuff that a bunch of people how do I say this? Like <clears throat> part of the collective psychic consciousness that why aren't you digesting this, Colin? I why guess. are you not understanding this? I have a buddy that years and years ago I was like, oh, the Matrix, dude, the Matrix. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, you love the Terminator. It's robots, it's machines. What do you, you, it's science fiction. You don't like it. It's like, I just want people to quit cramming it down my throat. And I'm like, dude, I understand that because people were shooting me down over Lord of the Rings. Well, you like this, you should like that. I'm like, that's not the same thing. No, you know, I want to watch, I want to read and watch stuff about aircraft carriers in space. Okay. I'm not just, that's it, not the same thing as people wandering around on the countryside with a glowing sword and a magic ring. It's not the same stuff, you know, or, or other people are giving me grief. Like, well, the thing you're writing sounds like, uh, it sounds like, what was it? Ghost in the Shell and Ender's Game. And I'm like, well, I haven't heard or read or watched either of those things, so it's not the same thing as that, okay? Because all of the ideas are out there. And then the music... All the ideas are out there. Just how I, do you tell it? I never minded. Like, I lived with one of my best friends years and years ago, and he would put on Tool all the time. And I was just like, okay, I appreciate the fact that this is on. Or we'd go to a show, and someone would cover a Tool song and do a really decent job, and you're like, okay, this is badass. I get it. It's cool. It's just, for whatever reason, I'm not into it. But it's strange because I used not to be into David Bowie and Depeche Mode, and then one day, it just clicked. It just and, clicked. And maybe maybe Tool has to happen that way for me. I don't, I don't know. Dude, you don't have to digest Tool. There's people out there that don't like fucking Led Zeppelin. I don't like the Beatles, but that doesn't mean that yeah. I think that they suck. Exactly. It's, I don't think that any of these guys suck, but I, I, I am super bored of the Beatles, and I'm super bored of Led Zeppelin. So I can listen to Hey Jude on repeat for a day at least. I, it, I, I feel guilty when you say that because my dad gave my sister and I all of his original Beatles records. His... Well, his white nice. album, his white album is still white. Oh, that's cool. There's a, is that there's a thing? A, they change colors. Yeah, there's a sticker that's placed on the um, that was placed on the um, that was placed on the the front mm -hmm. that discolors. Like you, you Zartan or Zorana when you run them under. No, no, no. More like it's like the more it's exposed to light, ultraviolet like, light in any way whatsoever, it's gonna like the glue on this affected the cover and stains it. Oh, so not like pool play and pool skipper yeah. dolls in the water. No, no, no. This is this is just a, an, an unfortunate natural defect from having a sticker on this sort. It's of... It's the adhesive residue. I get that. I mean, 
coming from an archivist's background and doing the stuff that I've done, I know what you mean. I'm just joshing. That's not even. God, I fucking hate when people say that. I, I didn't do that on purpose. Most of my I best know. puns I didn't even do on purpose. Man. Anyway, anyway, uh, anyway, yeah, tool. Dude, uh, I was reading uh, one of the things that popped up from Comic Book News this this week is that Florida. I was reading on CBR.com. A Florida prisons ban Watchmen and how to drop comics the Marvel way. What? What do you? How do you feel about this? That that they would ban a comic book and not just Ooh, because it, oh it's a it's a funny a pri- book. Did you say a prison system banned them? Yes, Florida prisons. Ban Watchmen and How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way, among other books. I could see them banning the Watchmen, but but why? But why ban the Watchmen? There's, it's not like a how to break out of prison. It's not a how to be dissensible. Well, it's got a whole prison riot sequence in there, and a whole, pri- you know, it's got. If you're talking about the movie, you're talking about the the, the original. You're right. You're issues. right. You know, you know, you're right there. Like it, it could inspire someone to grab a. An oil tray and burn someone's entire body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's that stuff, and then additionally, it's just—it's not exactly like the world's most subversive book, but it is—it'll—it'll it'll put that whole story will put you in a transcendent level of thought that might not be good for incarcerated persons. I well, hell, man. Then why do they fucking give them the Bible and the Book of Islam or the Quran? Like, it's—it's. <laughs> it's, the Watchmen is not a holy book. Sorry. Uh, one way or the, no matter how much we I, might want I it cons- to be. I consider it a lot holier than those two fucking books. <laughs> uh, like I, I consider both of those books uh, the same way people that were born in the 30s consider the Sears and Roebuck uh, catalog. There's oh, two purposes. There's, I get there's, so hot and bothered when a Harbor Freight magazine shows up. There's two purposes for a Sears catalog. Buying... Houses, buying stuff. Man, yeah. yeah. I filmed and then out house toilet paper. <laughs> there you go. Okay, anyway, yeah. No, I don't know. That's interesting. I hadn't heard that. We didn't talk about that before. The other thing I wanted to bring up that I, I, I saw was that Brian Wood got me too. Dude, that is unnerving. What? Okay, do you have any details on that? Yeah, okay, I'm bringing it up right now. Okay. So basically... He forced himself on someone that allegedly so far alle- allegedly uh, allegedly and I'll, I'll read you the, the 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 banner headline Dark Horse canceled Brian Wood Alien series after misconduct accusations and they used Channel Zero one of his best graphic novels as like the first graphic but uh, Dark Horse is not going to produce this uh, the woman in question that has accused him is someone that's actually on the scene here let me pull this up here i'm looking at like eight different things uh, it's it's amazing to have what a, i don't know how to put this there's no good way to put this it's amazing to have this to talk to you know discuss as content as yesterday i watched a uh, sky news presentation or documentary about uh the, the whole Weinstein situation. And then I kind of went on a tear, like, what happened to Al Franken? And what happened to um, uh, Garrison Keillor? You know, all these other all these other beloved people that just kind of like, oh, your career's over because of an allegation. And, yeah, uh, you're, you're done. You're over. And it's like, 
it's it's just one of these things that concerns me that I feel like I've been I feel like I've had that spotlight shown on me a couple of times and I haven't done anything. And it's terribly, terribly unnerving. And so the last time I even got wind of a rumor about me, I had to come down at somebody and get it figured out as fast as possible because I work in an industry built on reputation and you can have a reputation of being a good worker, but you can also get excommunicated for misconduct. And let me just tell you, I, nothing, nobody, nobody has anything on me. It's just, it's not real. There's nothing, uh, nothing I've ever done or said has been anything anybody could authentically hit me for and in the end you have a 45 minute phone call with somebody look what's the deal well i had a problem with something that happened with this other person i was like that's not me though yeah but yeah. this happened with this other person on this other show that's and i'm like me. that's not me so why are you having open discussions at the monitor which is a a place of congregation for anybody yeah. relevant on a show to see what's going on in the camera and blah, blah, blah. Why are you having open conversation about me talking to you and with this other guy who is also a known, like, kibitzer, a, a guy who just dishes about shit all of the time? You can't, I mean, how can you trust him? So I, I eventually talked to that dude also, and we got it all cleared up. And, I mean, he and I are very friendly on set now, and uh, I really like that dude. And then th- this young lady basically... I don't know. I think she was carrying around a lot of hurt from a previous existing, a previous situation. And I don't know. I didn't do anything. I I, I appreciate that. I I see articles all the time. Like men are consistently now winning, winning cases for custody of their children. Um, The the, the tides are turning. And this is, this is, this is one of this bullshit things. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised dark horse of all people would, have sided with something in any sense, unless like the, the owner personally knows the person that was quote unquote wrong, who is being announced as Laura Hudson, the, uh, the, she's the founder of comics Alliance, actually one of the bigger websites for comics. Uh-huh. And the, the, the quotes, uh, Hudson alleges woods forced her into a kiss at a bar. She added, he texted me for weeks afterwards telling me his wife didn't understand him the way I did and wanted me to come out and fuck him. I refused. I was scared. How the fuck are you supposed to react? I didn't know what I was meant to say. Say no to my idol, and I had no power at the time. Sorry, um, what website? Or what? What? what Where's this coming from? No, I just want to make sure CBR. they get credited com. properly. Yeah, it's CBR.com reporting okay. this. Um, I've made advances to people before, and they're like, "No," and I'm like, "Sweet, we're done." <laughs> it's that simple. Like, it's, it's that it's simple. That simple. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, sorry, <clears throat> sorry, I misread. I misread some cues here, but the fact that this is coming out, how long ago did this happen? There's no context to this. Like, were they, were they both drunk? Were they both having a good time? And then she got a little flirty and he thought something else because he's having a shitty time with his wife who may or may not be a shitty wife. And he thought and read into something that someone understood him. That sucks. Uh, That also sucks that she felt he was, that he was forcing himself on her. Just say fucking no. Well, you're in public. 
uh, th- this this just seems like a whole fucking. I don't. Uh, I mean, let me. This say. is a slippery fucking slope. It really this is a is. red herring. It is terrifying and, to be in any position where you think that your career or some major move you're going to do is endangered by somebody who's in a power position. And I just, I would like really to hear in a more power stories. Position? You've got a vagina and you want to accuse anyone about this, that you can just say something about someone that you don't like or, you, or, or didn't like you enough. This is, this is bullshit. And this is why I wanted to talk about Dave Chappelle's comedy special. We'll get it. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into that. I mean, I just, I, I feel like, okay, wait, I just, we, we just got to be very careful about the, the choices of words here. I mean, agreed. Agreed. I, I want to say and that I I'm feel sorry if I got as to though. It's so hard not to paint anything into a corner here. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like we are people who feel like women are targeting guys. And I don't feel like we are people who are saying that. No, that there is a, a standard or whatever, but, um, it's definitely, God, man. I mean, every time I've brought the brought any of these conversation topics up with lady friends and lady coworkers, and you know, what, what's your take on this, and how do you feel about these things? And it's just like, man, it's scary to be a heterosexual white guy in America right now. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, you don't even know what I've been going through, and I'm like, you're 23. Like, have you you've been going through this for since you were yeah. a teenager, or since the last three years? Put it into context. You know, don't don't just assume that you're bearing the weight of an entire movement. You know, I mean, I feel very differently in these personal circumstances than like looking at these patterns of misconduct with Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Right. Having watched that and go like, yeah, okay, you know, so what's evidentiary and what isn't? What's going to, what's actually going to put somebody away and where does it stop? Do we, you know, we have, do we have evidence on Bill Cosby? Do we have uh, evidence Is there on any, any such thing people? as forgiveness now? I don't know how, well, you're talking is, about something that is quantifiably unforgivable when you're talking about rape. Well, is I'm not talking about rape in, in particular. I'm, I, I'm just saying I'm not talking about rape. I mean, obviously that's what we're we're getting to. But I'm saying is it is it possible to forgive people now? Is it possible to serve your sentence twenty years to life? You did your 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 you you paid your debt to society, and now you can't leave jail and and not have that stigma about you, whether you robbed a a liquor store or or. Or, or or got you're 18 years old and you the first time you went out drinking and got your first DUI and and killed someone accidentally. It's is is there such thing as forgiveness anymore that you can actually? I I, I see things all the time from well, actually it's been a while but um we forgive the killer of our of our son or our wife we we just we decided to move on and try to. Uh, follow our structure of belief of forgiveness and let let this go the best we can it still hurts um i'm not saying to let that that there's that whatever happened to you you should just let it go no no that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is is there a possibility of forgiveness and, and, and always the possibility but you've got to look at look at what it takes 
you got that whole silly phrase, it takes a village. Well, we live in a nation, not a village, and you've got all these people. You've got you, you've got me, and all of these other people out here outside of my walls, and then all of the people who are listening to us. And then think about going to a wrestling show. Who's on stage? Who's there supporting the event? And then who are all these people in the audience? And in what city? What are the probabilities that you're going to see forgiveness in one place versus another? You're going to go to Brooklyn, it's going to be one thing. You're going to go to Oregon, it'll be another thing. You're going to go to Colorado, it'll be a whole different deal. Can, can any of no. us forget, you're we were talking about Lita earlier. Can we forgive Lita and what, Christian? Can we forgive them? Can we forgive, God, I don't know, so many people. I mean, I was, I mean, yeah, I, I have one person that I know in my life who, who, uh, specifically had a conspiracy to murder charge leveled against them. They went to prison. They got out. And, okay, what do I do now? Do I treat you like less of a person? No. I went to your business. I let you, you know, I let you be a a, a business person with me for years and years and years. And then at a certain point, I was like, you know, we had a we had a personal falling out. And I was like, our relationship is over over that. Could have been before or after that, you know? I mean, just what are you going to do? Does society forgive or do we all have to personally forgive? If if John Benet Ramsey's parents, if they finally found the guy that they blamed for that and blah, 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 and they were like, okay, we forgive them, then does the rest of America have to forgive them also? They don't That's have to. That's a good to, point. But That's a good they? point. I, I, I can see activist points. Activists being like, how dare you forgive this person? You, you are – the fact that you've – forgiven this person is enabling other people to do it and and then and then you're not only victim shaming but you're 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 shaming them for for finding some sort of semblance of sanity mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 on and on i i think about that that bachelor degree triggered girl from that that one meme all the time that's that's what's that oh all right you got a thunderstorm in colorado or did a plane just crash no, it's Colorado, man. It's uh, it's bright. There's not a cloud in the sky, and and somehow there's thunder and lightning. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, ultimately, that was, that, I right? think what it boils down to for us here is, I mean, because we're, we're not exactly on the right topic. We're men, and we haven't. I I have had scary. I've had people come after. I've had ladies come after me that I felt like if I don't do what they want, then I'm going to be easily this is easily going to get flipped around like that michael crichton disclosure story the movie with uh michael douglas and uh demi moore if you recall and um now maybe you don't know i just remember watching that and being like okay did he do anything wrong yeah he kind of cheated on his wife a little bit but he didn't let it go too far and then she turned it around on him i'm not saying i cheated on my wife i've never been married i'm saying you know terry cruz cheated on his wife yeah, there you go. And and he's an advocate worked, for doing the right things now. He is an absolute advocate for doing the goddamn right thing. By things. the way, for those of you that don't know, uh, everybody, Terry Crews, of course, who is a hero of the Minefields podcast. He is. He is, in fact, my Patronus. If you don't know what that means, look it up. Uh, and stop listening to our podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> no, we, it's way better to bring people into the light than it is to just dismiss them out of hand, I think. <laughs> yeah, I want to move on from this. 
This is obviously yeah. uncomfortable, but it would be yeah, obviously but... better to have a discourse with anybody who would like to discuss this with us. So, MFers, subscribers, listeners, email us, please. We'd love to hear from you, or you about these situations. Uh, you know, well, just be. That's be, why I wanted to bring up Dave Chappelle. Yeah, Dave Chappelle. We did want to talk about Dave Chappelle. His the, new uh, his new comedy uh, special, Sticks and Stones. I wanna I wanna touch on it briefly because mm-hmm. we've gone through most of most of the meat and potatoes, right? He took the things that you're not allowed to say, and he said them. But he didn't say them with a sledgehammer or a machine gun. He did it with absolutely perfectly crafted jokes, anecdotes, and stories to a crowd that should not have been receptive to that. He was in Atlanta, and he was making gay jokes. And he's like, yeah, I can't fucking say that here. We're in Atlanta because I know that in the crowd right now is a bunch of gay guys sitting there with their wives. And the, <laughs> right. like, yeah. And my, my buddy Josh was like, dude, Atlanta, I'm from Atlanta, dude, like half that crowd or a quarter of that crowd could have been a bunch of down low motherfuckers. Probably. It's not okay to be gay in this in that city. So there's that. Second off, he talks about Michael Jackson. We're we're gonna we're gonna chastise this guy so much that even though he's dead, and I don't think he did it because he didn't Macaulay Culkin never once said that he molested him, said no, not at all. And if I was Michael Jackson, I would probably want to molest the Cadillac of little boys. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. What a way and, to put that. Yeah, I know. And then he starks about <laughs> juicy smolly. Like like it took it took juicy. a little bit to <laughs> juicy. Dude, that whole juicy. sequence. That was genius. And then and it's it's not whether you found it funny or not. It's that he said something that was controversial to say, but not because he was saying it to be controversial. He was saying it because it needs to be said in an in an open environment. I'm Dave Chappelle. You have to give me a little bit of a, of, of a, a little bit of leeway to say this. And listen, he wasn't hating on anybody. Yeah, he had some jokes that were could be portrayed as hateful, but that's not where it came from in his heart. He he told it from different perspectives, and yeah, the the, the trans people hate him. Well, it's fascinating but, because in the end, uh, despite the fact that I didn't think this was his best effort, and maybe it was his subject matter, or maybe it was that I didn't feel like that subject matter translated itself very well, or maybe he didn't translate that subject matter into something that I thought was funny, uh, ultimately, was not. this wasn't a comedy special that I laughed at very much. And I'm, I'm grasping for any moment of it that I can recall really being amused by. But I did appreciate the whole Jesse Smollett... I don't even know how to say that guy's name. That it's Jesse, but the way he said "juicy," the way <laughs> "juicy" Smollett, the French yeah, actor, the French actor, oh, like man. it took him a bit, and they're that like, "Okay, him, him doing the uh, the Nigerian wearing the Maga hat, saying homophobic, uh, hateful shit." That was uh, I, I like any African accent when they do that shit. It's my uh, my it's favorite good. part was when he got into the business of being trans, and he was like, "I know what it's like to be trans because I think to me, I identify as a Chinese man." He goes in, <laughs> yep. goes into that little impersonation of being Chinese inside of his six foot black frame, you know, or yep. African American. I don't know how anybody wants to be portrayed, but um, that's that's funny because ultimately it's a whole. We, you and I started dishing on that when we were uh, when we were got right before we started uh, recording and talking about like how much do we have to take anybody seriously who wants to be identified as one thing or another. We've got an entire segment of our society that we have to change bathroom rules. We have to change yeah. legislation. We're accepting the fact that people want to get married who traditionally 
have not, and are, are, I'm sorry, one way or another, even with separation of church and state, we're still basing our laws on Christian ideology, and it just, that's what it is. There's separation of church and state, but there really isn't. And uh, no separation. It's fascinating what we do separate and what we don't. And, uh, but then it is, I mean, how do I want to identify? I want to be a fucking Starfleet officer, okay? I, I want to be, I want to be a Victorian Civil War era Starfleet commander, okay? It's just, it's ridiculous that that's what I want to be, and that's what I'm writing about. That's my book. I'm writing about a space-setting, Victorian-age Starfleet-ish characters, you know? And I mean, like, that's how, that's how you can live out your, your, your fantasies unless you are uh, getting legislation passed about your bathrooms right now. Yeah, or what's between your legs? Who gives a shit? Just... Just wash your goddamn hands. <laughs> is that a is that a Josh joke or did somebody else say that? Uh, someone else said that, but they, it's still just wash your fucking hands. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got some comics to talk about. We Guys, do. We appreciate we appreciate you uh, understanding our, our our format because this is turning into a talk show, and I'm loving it. Yeah, that's <laughs> a that's a good fifty mi- fifty solid minutes of us uh, yeah. talking about current events, more or less. Um, yeah, but it, it has to do with comics and wrestling, so I guess they understand, and maybe there's someone out there that really well, hates Dave Chappelle. What it really boils <laughs> down to on my end is that after, like, it's amazing that you brought that up today, because like I said, I was watching Harvey Weinstein uh, Harvey Weinstein documentary yesterday, uh, and then I started researching Al Franken and uh, Garrison Keillor and what the hell happened to these guys and trying to figure out where the line is crossed. Like, what's going on with Dustin Hoffman now? He got in trouble. and He got in trouble, yeah. And I, I'm going through the whole thing, and I'm like, there's got to be a real story here. So, like, I'm not, so I, I don't mind segueing here, but I got in, and I'm not trying to make this a segue into Marvel Comics 1000, but, um, God, I feel like there were one or two pages in that book that kind of touched on... There's more going on than fighting supervillains in comics, Dude, the, you know? There, I was looking this up, and there's like eight different theories about what's going on in this. Before we go into this, though, yeah, uh, don't stop recording. I'm about to pee my pants. Okay, yeah, go crazy. We're going to say yeah. uh, we'll, we'll do a cut just, at 50 minutes and 20 seconds. Which Just means, don't stop recording. because right, I'm, I'm going like, to sound sync clap it. I, I hate editing this shit. <laughs> Hold on, I'll be right go back. Away. Guys, we're, we're back. We had a little bit of a break. It's uh, college football day, and I had to go to the bathroom, and then all this other stuff happened, and then you would never know that nothing had happened unless I'm actually telling you, and Colin's giving me a crosshead right now. I'm just thinking about it along the I was trying to find any place in, uh, in contemporary fiction where that kind of thing had happened. No one would know if I wasn't telling you that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So, yeah. Let's uh, jump into our comics. Finally, we talked about a lot of uh, extemporaneous materials and extraneous. Uh, yeah, it don't matter. Extra, extra, let's, extra things. Uh, yeah, let's yeah, talk let's, about let's Thanos, dude. Into, let's talk about Thanos, and let's do something that no one has ever done in the history of Thanos comic books before. <laughs> it wasn't that good this week. I'm getting kind of tired of it. Wasn't wasn't that good? <laughs> I'm <laughs> wasn't just that like good. 
<laughs> the, the closer we get to anybody solving any of these mysteries, the less less intelligent the book starts to feel. Like he gets out there and he I don't even and, and part of the problem is I'm not I don't know if I missed something, but at a certain point I don't know I don't even understand what's going on anymore. There's an older Gamora floating around last issue and this issue we're talking about issue number five. And uh, we it's revealed in the last page that she's basically like dragging around a young Magus, a, a child Magus, like she was being drug around. But I kind of felt like she was on the sanctuary at the beginning of the issue. I don't understand what was going on necessarily, but uh, then we're plopped right back down into the stuff that we did have going on. And Thanos left because he was going to go face to face fight with the Magus and. I'm not sure that either I don't I, I don't understand whether or not the science is working out or if the writers are having trouble with it because suddenly Thanos is like months or weeks or days away by travel and yet Gamora's in the little spaceship and she's trying to get there too and it just it's just like a whole lot of discontinuous material kind of went down in the midst of still propelling the story forward. And I think the thing that's really starting to bother me is that as much as I can appreciate, you know, the Black Order characters being who they are and them being a younger version of themselves, I don't get them being this miscreant, this self-serving, and this, you know, when when do they finally get their comeuppance and become subservient to their lord and master Thanos? You know what I mean? Um, not to be uh, precocious, but when uh, Thanos started being uh, all lovey-dovey with Gamora in the fucking movie, this is a total fucking uh, uh, cash grab to the movies when you're watching the in reading you're watching the movies and you're reading the comics. And all of a sudden, the comics are starting to look very similar to the fucking movies. Oh, yeah. And Doctor Strange, for sure, is carrying those things. And then what was the other one I saw? Uh... Oh, yeah. There's, uh, there's one page in Marvel Comics 1000 that Captain Marvel was so completely Captain Marvel MCU. And I was like, dude, no, that's... Ah. Anyway, carry on. I know what you're saying. No, it's 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 all about like it's not all about it. I'm just saying that I'm I'm thinking that like you're watching Endgame and he's fretting over Gamora and, and and it's it's bleeding into the comic book. And if I really don't have a complaint about it other than that this wasn't the best Thanos comic we've read. This is still a superior comic book. However, I yeah. feel like the movie has in the the movies uh, have uh, interfered in the the storyline in the sense that they have to somehow justify what's going on on the screen. But why with the Thanos comic books? Because only the true blue readers read Thanos. There's not some random asshole on the street oh, wait, that just accident. Really? I don't mean to diss anybody who's definitely uh, younger than 10 years old, but I swear, man, I was in in a, a comic book store several weeks ago, picking up my books, talking to one of my guys behind the counter, and uh, some random under ten year old dumpy white kid comes in and is like, "Do y'all got 
Y'all got Thanos books? Yeah, you walked right past them. They're right there, and they're at your eye level. You, you know, look around for a second. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, this kid, I mean, I would love to turn him on to some good Thanos books, but this isn't going to be Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. This is not kids stuff, you know? But if you want it's the not, hardcore it, it, Thanos books. It is not book, kids stuff. Yeah. Nope. You want the well, maybe hardcore I stuff, said... it's there. Maybe I should have said it's not going to be on the fucking spinner rack. This is something you have to okay, like dig good for. point. Yeah. Yeah. Spin it, it's spin it's not rack. on the spinner rack, but <laughs> it's 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 certainly something that, uh, you know, Jesus, like I don't want to use the same like analogies like oh what what Joe Blow reads like no it's 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 still superior but it's not. I just felt the intrusion in the movie, and that's oh, yeah. all, no, totally. all, all I gotta say. And but when it comes to the Black Order, now that's the meat and potatoes with me on this one is the Black Order struggling to figure out what the fuck they're gonna do with an extremely homicidal uh, captain of of, of of a makeshift shift. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, and you know what? Maybe I'm not perceiving it from their end necessarily. I don't. I don't the atmosphere from the first two or three issues has not carried over once they decided to rebel against him. It's suddenly like I'm I've only seen the Black Order be um subservient to Thanos and to see them some of them being like you know scheming against Thanos I really wasn't putting it into that context context like you just said you know the whole business of them just yeah this is not one thing that we're out here just murdering and killing but uh being pirates i will say out of all the years that i've read thanos or seen thanos in books and they always talked about him being a pirate captain this has been the only book that really kind of put that into perspective for me you know but in the it was, end it, it was a good perspective from that yeah he's still the pirate but it was still good. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that we're, we're arguing about an argument that it, that's not actually happening. We're like, it's not that good, but it was still good. But exactly. you're still not smart enough to understand that this is good in the first place, and and just move on. Yeah, <laughs> like like that that asshole in fucking uh, Spider Man. Like you, you can't afford it. You can't afford your milk. Move on. Leave. <laughs> oh, what a you don't understand Thanos. Get it. Get out. Get out. <laughs> what are, are we? Okay. Yeah. I'm always wagering a concern because I remember working years and years ago with somebody and I was a real hothead about stuff and talking about things and they were like, have you seen that movie High Fidelity? You're like those guys in High Fidelity. The guys oh, in the well record then. store. Oh, and I'm great. like, uh, you mean I know my shit or what? Like, no, you're, uh, you think you know all your stuff and you're really judgmental about everybody. I was like, man, I don't want to be perceived as that person. So... Ultimately, I ended up not working there anymore. Don't have ties to that person anymore, which is kind of cool because then you get to reinvent yourself. But um, ultimately, I've never really been that guy. I'm not going to say that some jackass C-store you know, employee is going <laughs> to not <laughs> understand Thanos. Um, There's not as much to understand as we might be saying, but like, it's just... It isn't what it was, I, but it's at least not that switch from Ultimates 1 and 2 to Ultimates 3 where you just hate it, you know? So that's as much as I need to say about this. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, let's move on. Uh, Thor, give me four minutes. 
Oh, what are you going to oh, do? Wait, 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 wait. You want a four-minute yeah. countdown to talk about Thor? Is that what you're saying? No, we, we, we've gotten so far ahead of ourselves because we're so fucking scatterbrained today. We for, forgot to even fucking give the credits for the fucking comic. So, I'm going to say it's probably the same guys that have been I'm working I'm going to say it was the, the same assholes from last time. No, I've got it right here, man. It's uh, Thanos number five. Five. Of six. And of six. Uh, which is actually of uh, of a thousand of six, which is pretty much how it works. Uh, Teeny Howard writer, Ariel uh, Olivetti, mm. artist. Antonio Fabello, color artist. VCs, Joe Caramagna. That Letter. guy is prolific. He is all over the place in everything that I looked at this week. In fact, he ha- he was credited as letters on a page in a book where there were no letters. And I'll bring that up when we get to it. <laughs> All right, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Here's to the... Here's the... Uh, drink to the working man. There you go, bud. The working yeah. man. Joe, Joe Caramagna of DC. Joe Caramagna. Hmm. Thor. Thor 16. I totally read that on a whim, and I absolutely loved it. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but it's a real... It's it's like when you're watching the... Or when you're reading The Walking Dead and some major event went down and they have an epilogue issue. And then they kind of drift along for two or three issues showing you how things are different now that that whole situation resolved itself. They're rebuilding Asgard. Odin is trying to prep a giant speech and he's stepping down as the Allfather and putting Thor in... As the king, finally, and all of these characters who have been killed and come back, this is the place where it feels like that would happen. I don't feel like it should happen in any of the X-Men. It should never happen to the Avengers. But as Guardians, a cycle of birth, death, rebirth totally makes sense to me. And, uh, you know, they've got bits and pieces of things that are growing out of Fragments of Yggdrasil, the, the world tree. Um, Loki is about to be a knight, but he is kind of the king of the uh, frost giants. And he's also being redemptive because we want. That's, that's another thing the MCU did. It gave us a Loki that we want to see, not necessarily being constantly that like mustache twirling, hand wringing bad guy. Dick Dastardly. Dick Dastardly. Yep. Dick Dastardly? Is that a wrestler? No, Dick Dastardly. He's the Dick Dastardly uh, the is bat- a new wrestler in your book. That's it. Dick no, Dastardly. no, I, I wish. I wish I'd come up with that. You don't remember uh the uh the, the perilous adventures of uh, Penelope Pitstop? Um no, one of those reading hand- comics in the nineteen thirties. No, it was it was more, more of the sixties <laughs> and it was Hanna Barbera. Oh no, man! I uh, and uh, I and him. and it was like the wacky racers. The, the wacky, you don't remember like the Hanna Barbera wacky racers. Dick Dashley, he had that big old like like conductor hat, and and he was basically the same guy that would tie girls up to a fucking like uh, oh, uh, the, the railroad tracks. Yeah, but his name was Dick Dashley. Afraid not. Afraid not. No, I was not a fan of Hanna Barbera cartoons. I mean, Scooby Doo would be on or whatever, and I was just like, man, this is all, it all feels the same to me. 
like I'm really sorry, but I have to go on a tangent here. But <laughs> I subscribed to Boomerang. It costs five dollars a month, and I get unlimited Looney Tunes and Hanna Barbera, and all of the new Scooby Doo is on there. And Scooby Doo with Weird Al like premiered, and I was like, I saw the preview. Like I would watch. Oh, that, that's though. cool. Yeah, I would it was totally cool. watch that. Watch the shit out of it. It was wonderful. Weird Al Yankovic was in Scooby Doo. It was great. That's good shit. Twenty eight minutes of pure joy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, it all comes down to Thor is uh, expected in Asgard to receive his laurels and all of that stuff. But he's like, no, I'm down here rebuilding a uh, church in Mississippi that got hit by a tornado. And I'm down here and I'm helping dark elves who have never learned how to farm feed themselves, even if they were the enemy a minute ago. I'm, I'm, I, he's out there being the king that the Ten Realms need. And uh, it was it was honestly very emotional to see that stuff, you know. And in, in what way, like, like are you like in the terms of seeing a, a king truly fulfill his kingly duties, as where he interacts with the proles and and gives them food, or are you talking that he's constantly interacting in the way where he's r- retaining a stasis that they have nothing to worry about? Uh, more, you know, like, yeah, a little bit of both, you know, being among the subjects, whether they know they are or not his subjects. Ultimately, I mean, he's the king of Asgard, but to foster amity across the board, especially after an enormous war that took over the universe, uh, it would make sense for him to go out there and just be everyone's, be the figurehead leader who is not just a figurehead. He's out there, he's being Thor the way he has always been Thor. And in so doing, you have the whole sequence where Odin is saying what he was hoping for to happen on this day of days. And he's telling uh, uh, Freya about it, Lady Freya. And um, she realizes that Thor is doing the same thing that he should always have done and that is grow beyond any father's expectations. Surprise well, the hell out of everybody and just do what he's doing. Is is this one of those stasis comics that only happens once in the blue moon where everything's okay, no one's intruding, no one's fighting? You get that one like brief moment of peace in one comic book every five years, like in the X-Men, where everything's okay for just one issue before she gets crazy. Um, maybe. Honestly, I that's one of the things that we would complain about with The Walking Dead. Nothing's happening. And it's like, yeah, you know, you got Rick and you got everybody hanging out behind the walls and everything's okay. And it's all these people talking, talking and talking and talking. There's no action. And they get Negan in the jail and they got this guy over here who's definitely pissed about something. And they all look alike in that comic, so I have no idea. And who it is in relation to anybody else. And it's like, yeah, of course, something will always be building. But where's it going to come from? If everything is this chill right now, where's it going to come from? And the worst thing that anybody could say anything about was that the uh, head of Roxxon is getting away with it all, saying it was all false false news or fake news and, like, just blowing it off. And everybody on Earth is like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, obviously that guy is still going to be a crackpot. And then all of these people who are in the room without walls or the room without windows are going to get out at some point or another. And, you know, what are you going to do unless you actually 
grew a pair and developed a new threat instead of going back to the same well for the same water again and again and again. Worth the $6 to buy? Was it a $6 <coughs> book? Yeah, it was pretty thick. The new Thor? I don't remember it being that. Where's my copy of it? Uh, I mean, ultimately, yeah, I'm going to say sure, sure. I mean, it's, it, it, the beauty of it is that it is still paying attention to its recent cross-title promotional event. And more often than not, you get done with something and what's with some big event and it's, it's over. It's just, nobody's talking about it again. Like what was the best book I read a, a couple of years ago? Probably Jessica Jones talking to that whack job about how he knew <laughs> that Reed Richards had disappeared and that the world wasn't the world he was from, so there should be no no consequences for any of his actions. And that's why he murdered his wife, because he was sick of her. He was like, this isn't even my reality. I know this isn't my reality because of these things. And, like, that was insane. That was an amazing that was, book. That was pretty thick. That was pretty thick. Yeah. I mean, go back and, and check and then, that one out. Let me, you, and then the sh- go, go t- take you know take the helm here for a second. Let me find that issue so we can. Well, uh, I, I know I know it was like probably like two three years ago. It was like yeah. I'm just saying for it, any of our listeners that was definitely one to go to the, go to the back issue bin and pull that freaking thing out. It's a post battle. Well, you've got you've got Danvers just doing that watchful eye, just being that fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. And also, you've got to deal with the fact that she is refusing to let uh, Luke Cage know where her, her, his kid is. And why he's, she's even hiding him in the first place. Not mm-hmm. to mention the fact that everything is expertly painted in watercolored and, 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 and uh, glossed. And the package they gave to us was amazing. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, the only reason I didn't watch the TV show was because I watched The Punisher with my mom. My mom loves violent anything revenge stories whatsoever and I'm like yeah maybe we'll like uh jessica jones we put it on in five like within three minutes she's getting drilled in half and i'm like well looks like we gotta take this off yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and uh that's the last i've uh, watched of the jessica jones but that i know exactly what storyline you're talking about and the continuation of that was even better but once the tv show intruded there was problems right but whatever, fuck it. We still got good stories. I mean, they like. Do we really have anything to complain about? Oh, with the Thor? No, not at all. It was great. It was oh, or, or even Jessica Jones. Oh, Jessica Jones? No, I'm not saying I reread that. I'm just saying that I appreciated it for paying attention to uh, the the mo- you know a cross culture a cross title promotional event, and everything's still doing that. Even what? Uh, which Spider Man was it? What, hold on. Something I read this week. I think it was Venom. Venom totally paid attention to it all. It's just like, yeah, it's, you know, it's just throw away. It's one panel, one or two lines or two or three bubbles of people discussing shit that went down recently that makes it feel like it's all tied together. That's all anybody ever has to do as a writer. That's all any editor has to do is say, hey, I know you got just, throw, just one panel. One panel, throw it in there so we can refer back to that. For the 900,000 people who bought all bought six issues instead of seven issues, so they go back and get that seventh issue and make our retailers 
happy. You know, they're not thinking about it like that. But just that kind yeah. of stuff. Let's uh, let's fast forward, then. Fast forward. Doctor Strange. Oh, it was uh, another one. It was like, okay, hey, this last gigantic event for Doctor Strange just went down that no one else in the entire Marvel Universe is ever going to know happened, but it was a complete reset of the entire universe. So that was kind of rad. I appreciate that there's new art on the new Doctor Strange. So let me figure out, let me get that for us. And, um, uh, I mean, it was a very simple one-shot of a story so it's, it's like, hey, we need something new and completely different than what we were doing while we we're setting up the next thing. Um, well, who set, up the, who set up the book in general before you, get, before you dig deep? Oh, hold on. I'm trying to find it here. How much... Uh, I'm sorry. You're saying, like, what are, what are the credits? Yeah. Yeah, credits. Oh, it's Mark well, I can, Wade. I can bring it up. It's Mark Wade. And... Uh, oh, yeah. It's on the last page. It's, uh, and, uh, what is it, Jesus Suede, I think, was the, uh... Yep. Yeah. The, are you sorry, do you have it there? Yep. Okay. I mean, it's one of these stories where something happens in the middle of nowhere, technically. I don't mean to be a turd, because I hate it when people say this, but a flyover state. And, uh, it's just kind of weird, because Doctor Strange came in acting like an a-hole the whole time. And so, it kind of... He's constantly in all of these stories learning some learning I've got to be a I've got to be a different way than the way I have been. And yet then he comes into this town, breaks into these people's house, tells them all to shut up and let him do his job and thwarts a demon that's trying to get in through the plumbing. Okay. And it's just one of these things where it's like, okay, but why is he being a turd about it? I get it, but like why don't you just knock those people out or something like that? Just sucker punch them with magic so they're not annoying you. And then, or I don't know what. Or put them in some kind of literal stasis where they can answer you, but they can't bother you. And then you're not coming off like an offensive prick. It's just strange. And that's not even a pun. Damn, I've been doing that a lot. <laughs> it's just unseemly to constantly have a character who is second-guessing his attitude, and then as soon as the situation is not world-threatening, he's just like, no, I'll go be a dick to these people in Kansas. So, I don't know. Other than that, I mean, yeah, it just, I don't know if this issue leads to anything or what, but uh, the next issue, it just it's like he's going around doing not super feats, but... Um, Sounds like they're filling in the blanks before something good happens that's tied yeah. into a big thing. And by the time it's all probably started, three, four issues from now, and it's like, okay, yeah, this ties back to that water demon, and then whatever happens in the next issue, whatever happens in the issue after that, it's a question suddenly then of, like, does it, uh, does it, does it make any difference, or do we have to go back and reread those issues to figure out some special thing? Probably not. But uh, the art, I will say, is fantastically better. A lot better than the last, like, three issues, because that was, like, the same three dudes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the same thing for a long time. This is much more realistic. It's much more dimensional. It's, uh, it's really crisp, because you've got different textures. It almost... Uh, I mean, it's not like Greg Land or anything when it comes to the, the coloring, but, like, 
I really like this last page. They basically this family is getting ready to have a little celebration for their like daughter who won second place at a ice skating contest or something, and they're not well off and they've got all these issues. And Doctor Strange comes in and fights this demon and like wrecks the place. The last page is kind of confused looking because the depths are all weird. He leaves and he like repristinates. It's a word that this uh, Spanish um, assistant director liked to use. And he, Colin, will you come in and repristinate the living room now? And I was like, yes, I'll, I'll put it back the way it's supposed <laughs> to go. You're bothering me my, with my what you're, yeah. you're ruining my watermelon hotness. <laughs> he was a great dude. I love that guy. His name is Duccio. Duccio. And I'd say, like, uh, Duccio. And he's like, my name is Duccio, not Duccio. You should learn this. And I'm like, well, it's fucking spelled Duccio on the call sheet, buddy. So I will learn, your, learn how to pronounce your name. So I constantly called him into the appropriate name for the rest of the show. The point I'm getting at is that, like, Doctor Strange puts the place back together. Remember that. The word of the day is repristinate. And uh, he puts the room back together, but it like massively way more de- decorated and stuff. And there's just so much depth going on. And uh, it's like nothing's out of focus. There's a lot of computer related gradients going on by way of the coloring. And then there's they just did really interesting things that, uh, you know, like it would take a really good penciler or something like Don Heck or Gene Colan to recall uh, there's all these balloons, and they have bright spots on them. And you can see how that was done in the computer. Uh, and then there's, what else? I don't know, the flowers are a little off. You're just going to have to check this out. Did you get to look at this one? I did. I, I thumbed through it, but <clears throat> I could tell it was one of those things that I wasn't going to devote any time or money to. Yeah, seriously, it's a filler issue. But, like, it's just yeah. fascinating. If I were If I were doing anything on an art class for comics, I would definitely take this last page of these inconsequential characters and just say like look at all of the crazy shit that's going on here foreground elements three-dimensional items stuff that it's like is this necessarily the appropriate size for how far away it is in the in the image you know i mean ultimate's like <laughs> then the pennants have no uh no like tactile aspect to them at all and they're hung right above a giant congratulations banner that's made out of definitely individually blown up (laughs) metallicized balloons in each letter and i'm like it's shocking and i it's just the whole book is full of these incongruities i thought you were gonna say all the letters are made up by like tied up tortured demons that just those poor bastards just (laughs) rubbed them the wrong way no that would have been hilarious but i'm afraid not Anyway, yeah, that's as much as I got to say about Doctor Strange. Definitely a cool book, but uh, totally not not involving itself much in the uh, regular chronology. Well, totally uh, tell me about Venom. Bug. <laughs> I totally just zapped a bug in the, with my electric swatter, and it, t- it didn't die. This gnat has more hit points than I do, probably. This Kanagat? Some gnat? Come on. Yeah, I don't need these critters floating around my place. Um... Let's see. What did you ask about? Venom? Sorry. Venoms. Venom. I have. I never read Venom. And 16 then I was, 17, baby. Dude, Venom number 17. I read it, and then I was like, okay, I'm going back one to Venom 16. And I did, and clearly, from Venom 16 to 17, the absolute carnage 
cross-title promotional event has started. And uh, of the world, you just can't even like. They did nothing. No, nothing I, in I, Venom to give prep us the, anybody for it. Huh? Uh, give us the credits, and I'll fill you in. Okay, dude. You know how long it takes me to find the credits when I don't have a physical copy immediately. In just, front of me. We're, 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 no, you've got your physical copy. You're just taking forever, and it's all right. But basically, what I have to let y'all know is, is huh? that it's Donny Cates. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Donny Cates writing. Donny Cates is Donny Cates is writing four fucking comics a month now. Every single one of them is fucking money. Uh, absolute carnage. Yeah. Uh, Silver Surfer Black, oh. Venom, and Black. Uh, he's got his fingers and everything else. Um, I can imagine that's difficult, but from what I understand, they've been working on this for quite a long time. So he's hit the ground running, and it's kicking ass. Who, ten years ago, if someone told you that there would be a Silver Surfer uh, special edition that was going to run for six issues that was somehow involved with Spider-Man and Venom and Carnage, would you ever fucking believe him or think that would ever happen? Right? <laughs> exactly. But that's ha- happening. Yeah, I know that that's that, that's happening now. So uh, what's going on in the pages of Venom is we're af- after he fought the the Null Dragon and that symbiote is actually part of Carnage at the moment is Brock and goes back to San Francisco sees his old man turns out he's got a boy. The boy thinks that he's his cousin or friend or uncle. I can't remember. He thinks he's his brother, near near as I can tell. Yes, something like that. Regardless, it doesn't matter. What matters is the boy doesn't know that Brock is his dad and that Brock is doing everything he can to save him. Now, uh, within the pages of Absolute Carnage right now, Carnage is trying to find... And complete the codex and right. remove the DNA of, of out of anyone that had anything to do with a symbiote ever. So there's a few key key members of the Marvel universe that are about to die. Uh, Norman Osborn being one of them, and then also little Normie, uh, uh, Harry's Harry's actual blood son, uh, which happened during the uh, the the Red Goblin uh, about a year ago, which was fucking wonderful by the way um when the green goblin got the carnage symbiote and mm-hmm. gave it to the boy normie and spidey had to fix all of that but at the same time though uh we're having to deal with the maestro not the maestro uh god the, the sin eater no wait i mean no, no, the, wait, the, no, the, you know the, what is it the master uh reed richards from oh, the fucking the maker Ultimate. the maker the maker the maker so he's obsessed with this with the symbiotes already, and he is being really fucking accommodating to Brock. And despite the fact they've had a few knockdown dragouts in the past year, and the 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 maker has some serious fucking interest in what the symbiotes are doing. And Parker and Eddie, you know, they well actually it was it was actually Eddie at first goes to the maker like, listen, we had some knockdown dragouts a while back. I need you to make sure that. My brother here is okay and safe, and at the same time, during Max um, um, absolute Carnage's moment, is Carnage is looking for Normie, the, the the boy, and he goes after Harry and 
This is actually like a, a a web comic animated thing that they did. Was when he showed up looking for for Normie in in Harry's house. Like, hey, yeah, hey, Dad, what's going on? They're like, I'm not your dad. Yeah, I know. Like, you're you sound like him. You're being an asshole. Uh, you remind me of it. And where's the boy? I don't know where he is. And it's obviously a trap. Harry had everything set up to to you know do his best to confine the the symbiote as well as he could to get away or even yeah. just to kill it. It, it didn't matter. It's, what matters is that he doesn't know where Normie is. The Brock does. And so does Parker. He took Normie along with Brock's um, actual son to the Maker, and the Maker has figured out a scientific way to remove the Codex out of a human being, out of their actual DNA, without killing them. Theoretically, it would mean that if the Codex is not within these two boys, that Carnage would not want to chase them down and kill them. However, that's not the case at all, because he's going to show up anyway, along with his yeah. Ultimately, whether or not there's a codex, I think if it comes down to doing something that's going to ditch Venom over, he's going to do it. The Maker has so much more intrigue on this, because I think the Maker actually understands what Null is and understands the power that Null has in terms of control over an entire species that is scattered across the galaxies Mm -hmm. and has some sort of control of them from a far away distance that he would want some sort of interest in knowing how to do that exact same thing on his own way or whatever, whatever it matters. It's just, it's, it's extremely suspicious that he is so willing to help out Parker and Brock without asking for anything. Well, and of they course, know, it. you know, I mean, yeah, that, I, I completely agree. Ultimately, Ultimately, there's got to be something he's going to take out of it because he's definitely going to be more the bad guy than anyone else. Carnage is but the there up- were so many things that, like... That what? Go ahead, man. I'm sorry, I got no, excited. Carnage is the upfront action problem here. But the maker will be right. the ultimate... Oh, God, that's another pun I didn't realize. Another ultimate... Uh, he'll be the ultimate <laughs> problem in the end. Did you realize, of course, whenever they have an ultimate character in regular Marvel continuity, um, look at the lettering. They're still doing that. They're still paying attention to it. Characters from the ultimate universe that are in the regular Marvel continuity are talking. Their 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 lettering is uh, lowercase. It's appropriately like uppercase letters are uppercase, lowercase letters are lowercase. But in the regular continuity, everybody speaks in capital letters. Okay. I don't know. I did I not notice that. All I that noticed level of detail. Anyway, yeah. That is that is that is a wonderful level of detail. The other thing that is how when the maker phones up Brock and is like, "Listen, this is what's happening," and he's like, "Fuck you," and he's like, "No, no, calm down. There's other things that's going on right now. I just need to make sure that he's going to be safe. I, I I swear in my life that no harm will come to your boy." All right, and I, I I believed him. I I believed him when when he he phones that in, and that was part of actual uh, absolute carnage number two, which we'll get to in, in a little bit because that they they blend in like uh, just a tiny bit. So when I remember of uh, Venom was that uh, Normie and Brock's boy are trying to defend themselves after Shriek and all the other asshole symbiotes that are showing up. 
and the maker is kind of at odds at the moment. But during Absolute Carnage, he's already has he already has a control over the situation, even though there's some fighting on the background. And Brock's like, "Hey, just take care of it." And did you notice that the one of the symbiotes um, blew the whistle that that is that he's not Brock's brother that he's yeah he's the os- yeah. he's the offspring he's the offspring. Well, you got to keep them separated. Uh, the uh, does any of this have anything? Okay, a couple of years ago, Flash Thompson had the Venom symbiote. Okay. And he was, for no good reason, yes. running around with the Guardians of the Galaxy in outer space. Back when Angela was involved with the Guardians, right? Still involved, but still awesome, yes. Okay, and uh, yeah, no diss. It was, you know, I'm just trying to place it for time. Uh, and they went to the planet of the symbiotes, and the symbiote said, Oh, hey, your symbiote is malfunctioning, or it's sick, or it's broken, or something. We need, and they absorbed it. And they fixed it, and they gave it back. And he was, they were like, okay, it shouldn't be a murderous, lethal nightmare any longer. We're just blowing that off, like, in all other books? No, 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 not at all. They've explained that within the pages of Venom since uh, Kate took over when Noel first showed up with that dragon mm-hmm. about how the symbiotes uh, react to each other, whether or not they're good or evil or just tweeners. They all got their own personalities that they're all tied into this evil son of a bitch and i think that's what the maker's involved in and he's doing his best to figure it out and he's i have never like if you've read the ultimate comics since since the late aughts man like yeah the the maker has never played well with anyone and they they even like right no like reed richards he is reed richards of the ultimate universe and he was a totally decent reasonable good guy up to a certain point, and then he switched to being the the epitome of evil overnight, and he has stayed that way. And I never found him as evil. I just found him as one of those like robots that all of a sudden like realizes that human beings are viruses, and we got to take care of this, and we got a whole other different agenda. I feel like that's what got plugged into his head after maybe. his brain got big. I feel like there was some business where Ultimate Sue and Ultimate Ben. We're like, yeah, we're going to give each other a second look about whether or not we're into one another. And then it was like, I thought that Reed Richards got killed and then he came back and uh, he was totally a bad guy. But uh, I thought a lot of that had to do with the ultimate Zorn storyline in Ultimate X-Men or something like that. Uh, Maybe it was Ultimate Ultimate X-Men ended weird. They all it, no. That was ultimate in general. Jeff Loeb, you know, and his particular hatred for that brand of Marvel. They had a lot of good stuff going before it ended, and I think like the like the if you were gonna put a a, a mark in the ground when it was like effectually over it was when Miles Morales first showed up, and then the maker was already creating an, a, a cross dimensional breach between ours. The six oh six into into his, and then of course by then they, like all the other storylines had dropped off by so long you didn't even know that they didn't finish or that they did finish you didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. And then Secret Wars happened and everything got melded together and they did with the, the the hodgepodge. Okay, that's fine. 
I'm glad he survived. I love the fact that he took his helmet off for a second and the boys got to see it. Yeah, that was cool. It's been a while. So, like, okay. Yeah, it's been a while. And Miles Morales are technically the only ultimate characters that still exist, right? Uh, There's Stormbreaker and there's, I I think, a few cosmic different things that are going on. I I can't tell you off the top of my head. But... uh, in order to talk about this, uh, did did you already list off the uh, the credits for Venom? <laughs> I will not discuss this with you until you have read the credits. Uh, it's Donny Cates. It's Ivan Coelho as the artist. Did a very nice job. Uh, Rain Barreto, the color artist. DC's Clayton Cowles, who was the letterer. And then there are a variety of different uh, cover artists, yeah. depending. Um, but in order to finish this conversation, I need to uh, we need to, to cross pollinate this with absolute carnage number two and talk okay. about them at the same time. Uh, writer Donny Cates, penciler Ryan Stegman, inker JP Mayer, colorist Frank Martin, letter VCs Clayton Cowles. So right now, what's going down at the insane asylum is the fact that there was a mass grave found, and they realized that. Carnage is going for the Codex. And one of the people they feel they have to protect, both uh, Eddie and Parker, is they gotta they gotta go get Norman Osborne out of the, the fucking insane asylum. And they get there, Carnage is waiting for him, pollutes all of the inmates with symbiotes, and he's just shitting it out because he's got that sort of a powerful symbiote. And they're they're fighting against all odds, and of course Osborne gets reassimilated back into Carnage. But the thing about Osborne was he was locked up thinking that he was Clay, uh, that he was uh, Cletus Cassidy. Oh, weird. Okay. It's like ever since the, that, the, the Red Goblin series ended, when Parker went to check because Norm figured out who he was again, that if he was going to squeal who he was, he, uh, he, he goes and sees him just ranting and raving that he's, that he's Cassidy. Okay, don't have to worry about this. They show up, they're trying to get him out. He gets assimilated again. And Venom makes the miraculous, you know, uh, Hail Mary, let's get the hell out of here, sprouts the wings out of his back. They take off because Parker's running out of uh, Venom. I'm not not Venom, I'm sorry, uh, 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 shooters, web web shooters. And he's like, got to check on on his boy and calls the maker. And he's like, yeah, don't worry, nothing, as long as I'm alive, nothing's going to happen to your boy. Because right at the moment, within venom when like i don't you know you're not putting me in there not until you've tested this my dad's uh, my my brother said this we're not doing this and like he's like calm down like like you think that there's literally a symbiote coming for you right now uh of course you know knock at the door not even really just crash to the wall and that's where it ends in uh, absolute carnage is the maker just letting him know that nothing's going to happen to his boy. And Venom is making his way, trying to find out what's going on as this army of carnages are scouting across the city and comes upon Matt Gargan. Carnages. (laughs) Matt Gargan Gargan? fighting. Yeah. Gargan. Gargan Scorpion. Yeah. Uh, Remember he had the symbiote during dark rain. Yep. Totally. And thereafter anyone that he was, that had the that had a symbiote and the Gargan's backup is fucking Miles Morales. They're gonna have and to go find Groot and Rocket, who both got 
uh, jacked up on Venom. They're going to have to... It's, it's going to happen. Flash is dead. So this is where it gets fun because it's suddenly like, okay, what do they do? They go like violate a grave and super piss off Peter Parker about it or whatever. And then, you know... Uh, that That's already happened, yes. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yes. It's shit like that. And fascinating. Well, Venom's trying to help out the battle and... Spidey's like, well, Morale's like, no, I'm Spider-Man. I'm going to fight this battle. And Gargan's like, great, because I'm out. <laughs> He's trying to get out. And one of the symbiotes grabs him and, and breaks him. And mm. Brock saves him. And as he's pulling him out of the battle, Gargan's like, I can't feel my legs. And at that same time, he's like, where's Miles? And then that's when Miles starts, like, it ends with him slowly being assimilated into a symbiote. That's where Absolute Carnage number two ended okay. at the same time, yeah. knowing what's going on over at the Maker's Laboratory and uh, with Shriek and all the other assholes that are just rounding up, you know, the, the, is, the D's uh, and the C's. Is Doppelganger Spider-Man hanging out? Is he around? Uh, I would kill I would kill for Doppelganger right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was one of my favorite parts of fucking Maximum Carnage was Doppelganger. No, he's left over from the Infinity War. But, yes, oh. made his next major play in, in there. It was one of the, my favorite hero clicks to get that guy. I was like, yeah, I'm going to spend another couple of bucks to get that one. Well, hopefully your uh, Matt Gargan hero click uh, comes with a ramp. A ramp. <laughs> oh, ow. Oh, <laughs> dude. That washed over like cold water hit me on one side and then got to the other side. No, that's the thing. Yeah, the Matt, uh, the Matt Gagan version of Venom Hero Click was not very awesome because he could barely control the symbiote as it was. Mm. But yeah, they, they reflected that. Uh, I still need he, a Moonstone. He couldn't, he couldn't control anything group. at all. Yeah. I felt bad from that entire time. Like he was just like, "Hey, I've got all these powers, and I don't know what to do with them." And they're accidentally helping me win battles. Like uh -huh. I, it was so aloof, but it was still a lot of fun and well written. Of course, it was Dark Rain. Fuck it, you know, right? Man, this is the longest, deepest Diet Coke I've ever had. <laughs> uh, well, we're this was all we're, the we're stuff we were going to uh, speak briefly on, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? All right, uh, hit, we'll me some, uh, uh, hit me with some. Hit me with Fantastic Four Fancy Street. Fantastic Four Fancy Street. God <laughs> damn it! <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, it's uh, okay. So number one, it's it's pretty cartoonish. Uh, Gary Duggan does it right, writes it. Uh, Greg Smallwood, Mark Bagley, Luciano Vecchio, and Pere, uh, Perez, the artist. Greg Smallwood and Eric. Arkinaya, our color artist, and VCs Joker Magna doing the lottery. We gotta talk to that guy. Um, it's this is the the thing in loving Yancey Street, and someone has desecrated the school named after his big brother that died, and Reed gives him a special ultimate graffiti nullifier <laughs> that. <laughs> Let's him analyze the graffiti and track the trail of of, of paint to wherever it, it, it it's it's headed, and he finds this kid, and the kid just mouths off to him. He's like, "Fuck you! You you guys are making this place too expensive to live now. Like everyone's getting evicted. We can't afford yeah. to live here." 
That is like, a running theme in comics. Like every every seventh book I'm reading now, some regular street denizen of New York City is pissing and moaning about that. And I the rent is too damn high. That's for damn sure. Well, some assholes show up trying to... Dude, it was just like that episode of the A-Team mm-hmm. when... Um, oh, that one? Uh, B.A.'s, BA's mom was... Uh, <laughs> B.A.'s mom is trying to get her... Her, her uh, co-op is trying to get her to, to move out because some asshole wants to build a mall there. <laughs> and uh, have you never seriously seen that episode of the A-Team? It's one of the best ones ever. I probably it's played saw by, its um, original run. Who, Who's that fat old black lady that was in all those Touched by an Angel movies? Oh, yeah. What? Oh, man. What was she in? She was in everything. She was in, uh, gosh, I gotta look that up. She was in, um, The Color Purple for sure. Uh, gosh, Del- I Della Reese. Della Reese. Della Reese. That's her, that's her Are name. You so sure? I'm she's walking. I'm oh, positive. There she is. Okay. I'm positive. She's, she's walking up the stairs. The, the stairs, the stoop of her apartment complex, and these uh, no, near-to-well guys that are, like, you're playing with switchblades, and they've got, like, the, the, the cut-off halter tops mm-hmm. that were, like, so tough, but super-duper gay now. And they shove her, and <laughs> she falls, and she breaks her arm. She breaks her arm, and she's crying, and she's like, you just wait till my, till my boy finds about this. He's going to take care of you, because you have no idea, because you don't know that's B.A.'s mom. And he's like, oh, yeah, who the hell is your kid? He's like like the, the head of the CIA. And then all of a sudden the phone rings in the 18 band. And <laughs> Hannibal's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, this is the uh, the uh, dry cleaning service. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, uh, this very nice woman would very much like to speak with the head of the A-team, B.A. Barakis. <laughs> <laughs> and Faceman and Murdoch are laughing their ass off. And then all of a sudden the band just screech and he's like someone messed with my mom man we gotta get out of here face man you gotta get a plane right now and he's like whoa 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 you don't like planes i don't care we're leaving on a plane right now get this done now and they they it was it was it was one of the most ridiculous episodes and uh this is how this played out like i'm even referencing that that uh um hannibal plays the old lady in the in the wheelchair and murdoch plays plays her uh uh special needs son that's playing with a yo-yo the whole time <laughs> and <laughs> yeah it's, it's ridiculous and that's that, that's how it it comes off this old lady is pissed at these guys and and the, these ne'er-do-wells come out and want to fight everyone and then the thing shows up and they're like hey we kicked your ass with the fantastic four and then of course little by little the four shows up in their own little special way and helps them save yancey street and Everyone's all happy because uh, they pledge all the money, and Doctor, um, well, Mister Fantastic, uses his TARDIS technology to make the buildings bigger on the inside, so people can live in bigger spaces and more spaces within the actual buildings. And uh, the old lady that the entire time was giving Ben some shit is looking at him and delivers him a, a special Yancey Street jersey, and he's like, "Great." <laughs> I'm part of the. I'm back at Yancey Street, and then they zoom in on the old lady, and they zoom closer and closer, and then her eyes obviously robotic, and she's a Doombot. <laughs> wow! All and right, then, <clears throat> and then the end. It was just a fun. It was a fun. Just take it, leave it, have some fun. Didn't matter. But that's 
No, no, this is probably going to be one of six. See, I was uh, I was going to say about that about Thanos earlier is that you know these they do easy. Here's a Thanos story I want to do. I'm going to do it for six issues. You're going to make it a trade. We're going to release it as a hardback. It's yeah. Starlin's writing it, and uh, that's it. You know, no big deal. Like, there's so many other things that should be going on like that. Like, Silver Surfer Black definitely doesn't need to be an ongoing. It needs to be a six-parter. Oh, no. Six. Six-parter. <clears throat> it's the same thing with so many things. I, I, you know, I feel like Iron Fist ought to be like that. I, it's hard to make that an ongoing. Other, and even some of these other ones, I mean, like, what are we going to do? The same thing with Thor. Okay, we're up to issue 16. There should be an ongoing Thor title. Oh, we're done now, and it's King Thor. That's the new book. We have all these random things. You never know what you're getting anymore. You can't ever get the whole thing unless you just go ahead and buy it and trade. Because I'm one of these guys that likes to buy things in back issues. I'm going to go back and be like, oh, hey, I'd like to read all of these. Uh, I can't because blah, blah, blah. So you have to buy a hardback omnibus edition or whatever. It's okay. But ultimately, like, who knows what they're going to do with the anti-suit. It might be four issues. I was always disappointed that the Fantastic Force... It came out. It came out after Hickman only got five issues, and it was supposed to be at least six, even though it was supposed to be ongoing. But there you have it. I was I was compelled by those characters. Not everybody was. Now I'm glad I'm glad you say that because that is the perfect way. Wait, I, did I I I, I read off the. the uh huh. Yeah, you're allowed to continue. <laughs> uh, continuation. <clears throat> You've got a big story going on in certain places. Now, I'm having a shitload of fun with DC Comics right now. Because right now, so you're the villain. And the meat and potatoes is within the Justice League right, at the moment. Now, rather than... Remember when they did... I, I, I'm just going to pull... Not, not that these stories were bad. I'm just going to use it as a base example. When uh, Age of Apocalypse happened, there was like uh, X-Men uh, Alpha. And then they ended it with Omega and then Prime. But in between... They took all those. There was like a four-parter for like like Gambit in the Externals, and you know what I'm talking about. Like like there was like six different stories going on, and peripheral version of what the main one was going for the main backbone, which is within Justice League right now. But rather than make it some stupid rinky-dink issues, uh, Lex Luthor is going along, and he has the power to unlock the greater evil power within all of the different villains, and he's tempting them all. So within the pages of The Flash, Superman, Batman, uh, you're getting the bad guys getting tempted by Luther to, with extra ordinary powers beyond their actual normal ability. So those okay. are fun, and they're not uh, they're not actual like oh like you give a shit about Gambit and the Eternals. No one's gonna no like I'm surprised anyone would even know what I'm talking about even mentioning that, let alone just having a good time within the pages of because he's doing Captain Cold right now. And mm -hmm. Captain Cold is beefed the fuck up because of Luther. Now, within the pages of Justice League, let me go ahead and pull this up. Number 30. Written by Scott Snyder and James Tinian IV. Jorge Jimenez, art. Alejandro Sanchez, colors. And Tom uh, Nap Napoleonto. Napoleonto. Napolitano, Napolitano yeah, letters. Ice cream. Uh, Francis Monopole cover, and 
we start with Starman having this crazy vision that Luther is going to win and has already won in multiple different dimensions and time time frames. And he's detailing to the Justice League in the Hall of Justice where uh, Cyborg, uh, Green Lantern, uh, Hawk Girl, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, uh, Flash, uh, you name it. You're going to lose. We're going to die. And Batman's okay, what's going on? Yeah, Batman leans into Diana, and he's she's like, listen, my dark team is sensing some really fucked up shit going on right now. And Superman's okay, 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 let's let's listen to the guy. He's got he's got a, a solid tune on this. And I haven't enjoyed a DC crossover like this since um, Blackest Night. And he's detailing how they can win. So basically, uh, there is a original universe that was based off of the opposite spectrums of the superheroes that we all now love and know, like how the speed force gives the universe motion as wielded by the flash. The Mm -hmm. emotional spectrum Mm -hmm. gives the universe feeling as wielded by the green lantern cores and other lantern cores. Now they show the symbol of, of how these things connect within the multiverse and they show the opposite version of the original version of the universe, which was the antithesis of those things, until the anti-monitor and his brother figured out a way to stop their actual mother. And within her, her I want to say her prison, her prison was shattered in different, in different dim- dimensions and different parts of the universe. Now, Lex Luthor, his, his father gave him a piece of this actual cage basically just a rock that meant nothing but had some extra-dimensional sources containing doom. And unleashing these powers, he has enticed out doom, and he's able to give the supervillains greater powers in order to bring back the original version of the multiverse <laughs> governed by the antithesis of everything positive that we now know and love. Starman realizes the only way that he can do this is if they gather more pieces of the prison that this woman has been encapsulated in. The only problem is, is that the biggest chunk is in the future and the second biggest chunk is in the past, and they have to break two teams of the Justice League to get said pieces. Uh, already, Luther has anticipated this because his uh, goddess, let me pull who the hell she is, uh, uh, Perpetua, my lady, She's this gorgeous dude. This this she should be a fucking planeswalker. That's how that's how <laughs> well illustrated she is in, in the book, and especially like Luther's new form as one of the original uh, apex predators of the, of the Earth, and enticing these villains to do what they want to do to to bring about like not the end of the world, but the end of everything good as we know it, and. Of course, there's a spy within the Justice League, and they're about to split the teams up. They split up in the, in the past times, and as they get to the past, sorry, you're two weeks late. They get to the future, sorry, you're two weeks late. Mm. It's over. You've already lost. And that's where it breaks up. Now, if you're having fun just in general, whether you're an Aquaman or Green Lantern, it doesn't matter which book you pick up, you're going to find you're of the villain infecting infecting it and making the baddies even better and making every good story even better great so if 
if you're if exactly what you're saying when you were talking about how they broke things up for Venom and and Maximum Carnage as opposed to Absolute Carnage, um, nothing is laid to waste. It's not it's not some bullshit story that's not gonna matter. If it doesn't matter, that's fine. But it's too fun to fucking give a shit whether it's not gonna matter or not. Does that make sense? This is the sound of me just like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I was, I forgot that I was recording and I was just like, uh huh, yeah, totally. Like, it, I want to see that stuff. I want the cross promotional events, cross title promotional events to like be, get their fingers into all of it, you know? So, I, yeah, I dig. I totally like that. All right, before we get into the real heavy hitter ones that we actually care about, well, wait, wait a minute. Go what was Justice on... League 30, right? Yep. Okay. But I thought you wanted to go ahead and shit all over Amazing Spider number 28. Oh, I didn't even get into it. Like, I picked up that book. I read the front page. Here's what's going on. And I was like... Dude, this wasn't even compelling two weeks ago or three weeks ago when the last issue came out. I, why is this a thing? Like, this is what we're going with? And I put it down. I was like, every once in a while. I, I remember being a kid and I was like, I felt like I was failing if I wasn't reading every Spidey title. And we were talking about Amazing Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, and then Spider-Man. When Maximum Carnage happened, it was like, oh my god, they added another Spidey title. And then the Clone Saga, and I was like, man, okay, yeah, I just, this is, I can't do this. Also, for whatever reason, when I was that age, I hated Mark Bagley's artwork for some reason. Now, I don't hate it. Like, I don't have a problem with it. I like it, in fact. It makes me nostalgic for the ultimate Spider-Man book. It's... It's not the best. It's not the best Spidey work, but it was still damn good. Yeah. It was still goddamn good. It, it, it wasn't Eric Larson good, but it was still fucking awesome. But it. But he also wasn't Mark Bagley, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man yet, which was light years better. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, back then the Clone Saga stuff. Mark Bagley. You're right. Ultimate Spider-Man is a much more mature, well-defined Mark Bagley than. Uh, Clone Saga, Mark Bagley. And then, I gotta say, even what we've been doing with uh, the Spider-Man life story has been really rich and appropriate. Um, Let's let's go ahead and focus on that one, because that one broke me in half. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Yeah, you take point, you take point on this one. Let me, let me, let me grab my copy of it here. Wait, hold While on. While you're yeah, grabbing like, your copy, I will I'll yeah, go through the credits here. Please do. That like I was reading this at work and I had to post on Facebook, like, how the fuck am I supposed to work now <laughs> that I've read this and I'm blubbering like an idiot? Like everything is upsetting me because of this. Uh Spider Man Life Story, Chapter Six, All My Enemies. Uh we're talking about the twenty tens. Chip Sadarsky writing it, Mark Bagley penciling it, Inker, Andrew Hennessy. Color artists, Frank uh, DeMarta, Literary VCs, Travis Lanham. We're, we're starting off on a very specific point here. And one of the things that, like, grasped, like, really grabbed me by the boo-boo on this one was how it starts out with Spidey remembering 
the death of, of or actually not the death of, of, of Uncle Ben, that but the catalyst. choice moment, you know? That ultimate choice moment. And if if he had never stopped that, if he had actually stopped that guy, would would have it begs the question: Would Spider Man have actually really existed as Spider Man as we know it? I think so. Not as we know it, but I think so. But In the way on. it ends, but the way it ends, where he's still focusing on that, but not in a bad in a, in a bad sense. In the way that Miles is focusing on it, uh, we're we're talking. He has let uh, Ben Riley take over. Miles is alive and well, and the and man, the the, the way he the way Zdarsky took over when it came to the senses of what's going, what has happened in the Marvel universe, specifically the Civil War, mm-hmm. that a, 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 tr- a true blue Civil War, the the only people that are going to win if the heroes are fighting each other are the villains, and they've right. effectively taken over. And he but has. We don't see much of that. He's taking, we just know that it's happening. Not at all. We're not seeing it's, it's the effects hap- of it. We only get some virtually throwaway dialogue saying, yeah, I'm in charge of this resistance, but everybody else has disappeared. And this is the end all be all. If we don't win right now, you get dropped in the end game. If we don't succeed right now, it's all, it's all over. Mm-hmm. And he's saying goodbye to Mary Jane. Uh, Miles is with him. And the way he, he took specific points that are important in Spider-Man is what really made me happy about this. Because <clears throat> I got... I, I'm i not going to say I called it, but I was suspicious. The, what did you think? You thought that... Uh, I mean, where, where do we go with this? I mean, did we blow all the spoilers? Spoiler alert, everybody. We're going to tell you everything yeah, that happens I, in yeah, this well, book. He, if you haven't read it yet. And if you want to feel the way we felt about it, it doesn't matter if you know everything already you just have to kind of see it uh so he's grooming he's groomed his 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 boy his girl the way he says that they're so much more put together yeah. than i was at their age and I, it, it rang true like yeah like the, my favorite youngins that i'm close to are so much more put together than i was at their age completely well, go back and, a little bit and remember that morlin attacked in the last issue and brought his son to the verge of death. I thought that his son died, but he didn't. And there he is, and he can't do Spider-Man stuff. He's on a cane. With a cane. So you can see that he probably has the power, and that's probably what saved him, but he can't be a Spider-Person. But his daughter is an awesome Spider-Person, and she's costumed, and she's really, really great at it. So there you go. Well, I got suspicious because he's getting on the plane and like, yeah, why why aren't we taking a Quinjet? Okay, something's wrong. And hey, come on, man, the jokes are what makes this worthwhile. You need the jokes. Why why are you being so serious? Yep. Mm-hmm. Which which Miles has never been. And okay, that's kind of weird. Concentrating on his studies, his scientific. Okay, something's weird here. And then it shit hits the fan. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, they get up there. They're, where are they going? They're going to a. I, I'm not terribly. They're going. Familiar, uh, what? They're going to a, like the the moon station or, or something in orbit I'm that Tony Stark had left in place. There's 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 a Stark. Tony Stark has left something. Yeah. Here I got it. There's a Stark Tech spaceship of some sort that I don't know whether or not it has any pre-existing permutations, but. Uh, <clears throat> 
it's up there, and Doctor Doom has apparently taken over the world and has a doomsday weapon that he's faced at the planet that is accessed through Stark Tech on this spaceship. So it's like it's either some Tony Stark holdover that Doom is armed, or it's a Doom armed thing in a Tony Stark face. Whatever. They get up there. They're trying to figure out a way to deal with it. Peter's saying, I figured out how to handle this by having to resort to being more Tony than Peter. And you have to be Agreed. You have to you have to find all these negative aspects of yourself to figure out how to get your way into his software and get your way into his programming. And I was like, that's a particularly deep and unfortunate thing to think about. And um, so it also proved that he needed to be jokey and playful about everything that Miles hadn't been. Well, they get up there, and there was a lingering situation from the 80s where Craven the Hunter was imbued with the uh, Venom symbiote. And he's up there. Somehow or another, he's up there, and he's waiting. And he's like, we've been waiting for you. I told you we'd follow you to the edge of the universe anywhere in the world. So they battle him. But of course, you know, Peter at this point has been through it all. And he is already ready with this stuff. He is more like an iron spider of his own accord through having been under the tutelage of Reed Richards all those years ago than he ever was the iron spider uh, working with Tony Stark. And he has an already imbued... um, Sonic, like, actuator. I don't know what to call it. Just some kind of well, random well, techno babble. Stark was, Stark was the cool uncle that let him, like, have some porno magazines and uh, uh, some technological prowess that he had no business using, while Reed was the one that tried to teach him something responsible. I think that's and the that... real failure, though, is that while this shows us a world where... Like, go back to Civil War... And, sh- and we're looking at a world where Tony Stark shows up and says, Peter, we all know who you are. We all know that you're Spider-Man, and you're wasting your time. You have a gift, a scientific gift, and you invented those web shooters. And it's not like you don't have superpowers, and you shouldn't be out there saving the day, but you should be solving the big problems. And sometimes that comes from your intellect and not beating up purse snatchers and liquor store fiends. And I'm like, wow, that was a great moment in comics in 2008-ish when that happened. And then he goes and he works for Tony. But in this book, we see him working for Reed and excelling so much further because he was like, well, I'm not going to be Spider-Man. I'm going to be Reed Richards guy and I'm going to learn all of the things that Reed Richards. There is no world at this point that makes any sense where Spider-Man doesn't have a fusion of science, engineering, technology, in his superpowered retinue. Every spider outfit at this point, whether or not it's unstable molecules or it's armor, Spidey in our day and age should be swinging around with a degree of armor, a techno suit. What the hell is in all those pockets that we always bitch about in uh, Todd Mc... Or not Todd McFarlane, but... Um, no, you're yeah, right. Yeah, in Todd McFarlane and... It's all about the pouches. Spidey should have that stuff. And he's got it here because the precedent is made in just six issues. 
six issues, and we've got thousands of Spider-Man issues to read, and he's still literally, not literally thousands. It out. And so probably like, ten, tens of thousands. Yeah. So Peter, in this moment, realizes, oh yeah, <laughs> I've been waiting for a Venom imbued character to show up at any given moment for decades, and he like actuates his screech method, I don't know, whatever it is that, you know, the, the sonic generation that freaks out Venoms. And uh, and frankly, it blows up Venom. And Craven <laughs> the Hunter is left, Craven's dead. Craven is a skeleton inside the symbiote. And I was like... He was already dead. That is... He was already dead. Yeah, that is incredible. Think about how long, because we've never the, seen anything like that. taking over... Never. Symbiote Never. was on a character for decades to the point where that's all that's left. Like the, the symbiote is, is that person's personality and every other personality of everything else it's ever had. There are missed cues here. This book has in six issues inspired the better direction for Spider-Man that every Spidey writer henceforth needs to be paying attention to. And what do they do? They That's go what in... I wanted to ask you about. Oh, I'm not there yet, That's buddy. what I wanted to ask you about. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not there no, let's yet. let's do it. I mean, okay, we, keep going. Keep we going. carry on to what you were alluding to, this, I, this concept that, that uh, Otto Octavius took over Miles Morales instead of Peter Parker, because I guess he could get to him. And Peter we Parker. have... We have the what what sh- uh, we have a battle that if if not for the page count in this one issue, if this were a regular issue, this should have been the whole book. We've been waiting to see Spider Men battle each other our entire lives, and we have Miles Morales, young fighting Elder Peter Parker, two guys with spider sense battling the bejesus out of one another. It was awesome. It was awesome. I mean, like you've got how Peter's. Old, how old would he be? In his seventies? He had to been. A, he would have had to be in the seventies. Born in the forties. Nineteen sixty. What three? When he got bit? Yeah. You know. So yeah, he's there. He's an old guy, but the but the uh, the radioactive spider blood, radioactive spider blood, radioactive spider blood, spider blood, spider blood, Spider Man. Love it. Love it. 90s, love it. Love it. Nineties. Uh, all of that is keeping him going, you know? Uh, and we get there, and they have this knockdown drag out, which was kick-ass. And I'm not going to blow it for anybody, because you should totally check out the reason Bison, why he hurt. figured it out. Uh, and um, they get down to it, and what I appreciate most about this is that Peter reasons with Otto. And in the end, they, oh, they only no, have so much wrong. time. I disagree. You don't think so? Disagree. No, Peter doesn't reason with Otto. Aunt May reasons with Otto. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> Somehow yeah, Aunt, or another. Aunt May. Yeah. Because Otto traps him within his mind and is going to destroy you, Parker, within your own mind and attack you with the sinister eight tuplets of every bad guy in your mind. And all all of this is going on, and he's like, "You in one army, and every bad, you know, kick-ass spider ally, you know, goes after all of the the, the spidey baddies within 
Parker's mind, well, Otto is watching this happen. Yeah. But, and then he, real quick, he looks down, and there's May. That was a missed cue again also because Otto projected the Sinister Six before Peter said, you and what army? I feel like he should have said that, you and what before. army? And then the Sinister Six showed up, and we get one little frame of Peter going like, Oh yeah, either either like uh, and then oh yeah, I've got something yeah. and I've got my spider army or it should have been no, you never had a chance because I'm so many different things. Yeah, all of the, that that's a good splash page. All of these spideys fighting from all these different times, but the sad thing unfortunately here is that this all pays attention to its very well established insular chronology. Instead of giving us, like, you know, Armored Spider-Man or uh, from what, like, Spectacular Spider-Man 200, I think, or, like, the uh, Round Robin Spidey with all of those additionals and all of these different possible Spideys that could have been so rad here. But, hey, whatever. I'm, I'm down because it's stuck within its, the confines of what it was doing. But, yeah, you're right. Aunt May shows up. And, and it was and it wasn't even, in my opinion something that Parker fabricated in order to trick Otto. Like, in my opinion, that was actually legit the, the memory of Aunt May that just broke Otto. And then as that happened, she's like, I expected more of you. And he's like, man, I loved you. Like, I'm, I disappointed you. I, I'm so angry. And and as it goes away, it, it, it begged the question to me, Aunt May, yeah, is his mom, even though She's just his aunt. She raised him. Technically, if, if you're saying an actual something that actually matters in an emotional uh, level, then yeah, that's his mom. But yeah. are they hinting that Otto was his dad? Not uh, not no. bloodline. Good, or, good question. Not but bloodline. No. That is, but an in, in terms allusion of being to to Norman and Harry, that would be an amazing full circle if that were the case and i'm not sure that it is but i'm only not sure because i didn't pick up on that i'm not to say not to say that you've got something better there because it would be incredible at this point in spider-man comics for them to grow a pair and go down that road let otto be the scientific genius mentor father figure that spider-man could use but even even though he's an adult but even though that even if they weren't like buddy buddy hanging out all the time wasn't he already that in the first place like having to technologically outwit and outsmart octavius the way you would have to outsmart your father and 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 learn these lessons that's an amazing direction but i've never seen it that way that is totally I'm worth, looking way worth, too far for further exploration. Wow. But I'm, 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 all I know is that it hit me in right in the nutsack on that one, man. That's the one that got when, you? No. Uh, that, like, that was a slow burn, and then when he's saying goodbye to, to Mary Jane. Oh, no, man. At that when he's, <clears throat> Let me get into something here. Please. Um, hold on a second. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I'm getting some. 
some concerning text messages about uh, some health issues, not mine. But uh, things being what they are, um, everything seems to be under control. Nobody's saying, like, hey, come to the hospital or something. So uh, I got emotional about this because there is a, a lost opportunity in Star Trek. Um, I don't, I want to tell you and I don't want to tell you because I think that the, the powerful moment needs to be retained for you. I always feel like it would be better for characters, for like the good guy and the bad guy to have an opportunity to figure it out. They, they always fight each other to the death in fire in the, in Serenity, the Firefly movie. In the end, he defeats, Nathan Fillion defeats uh, the bad guy to such a point that he's able to make the guy sit down and watch, here's all the things that you're doing wrong. And thus it changes his mind, and he realizes, okay, yeah, no, you know what, I'm going to let you guys go. And I was like, that is huge. And then in Star Trek Nemesis, there was a missed opportunity. With, uh, in which case, don't don't ruin that for me. That's don't, what I'm saying. I don't want to ruin that for you. I'm, I'm on the way. There, I'm on know, the way. It's a, it's a long hey, g- way. Give me to something else, there, then. But when we get there, I want us to minefield that movie because uh, it's kind of a redheaded stepchild in the franchise that people aren't particularly fond of. I go back and I love Cybok from Star Trek V. I used to hate Star Trek V, but I adore it now, and uh, I've been writing on that since about 2008. Um, I love it when the villain is somebody who can be reasoned with. And I think that's what happened. Yeah, Aunt May showed up and reasoned with him, and he bas- she basically says the thing that I think that we all need to understand about villains. You know, I fought, fought that guy for decades, and a memory of you just beat him with a hug. Oh, Peter, yeah. it's simple. Everybody wants something. It's almost never about horrid fisticuffs or world dominations. Uh, nothing ever really changes. You know, you... Where is it? Where is it? I mean, she basically says, you know, there's always something simple that is the core of all of these things. And if you can get to that, that's how you defeat the bad guy. It's always something simple. Victor Von Doom can be easily defeated by Reed Richards if Reed Richards can just get over himself. You know? Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things about this particular storyline is that of all the bad guys that is in control is that it's doom it's pretty badass that it's doom that it's doom but uh the thing that's doom the thing that stops everything here is that they both get sucked out into space because a window is cracking and basically peter knows you know milesborough this is an awesome passing of the torch when you get right down to it he lets miles escape he lets miles get home he lets otto get home (laughs) He, he had knows. to. He had to. Otto was like, listen, I'll do this. He's like, I can't let you sacrifice someone else's body that you're illegally using. <laughs> you gotta go. And, like, pretty much Bruce Willis Armageddon him and yeah. takes off. And as things are going down, did you, what did you think, before we let the readers know what's, or listeners know what's going on, what did you think of while Parker was holding the ship together to make sure that the device went off to, to effectively end the war? When the when the symbiote all of a sudden expands like a broken that was the umbrella, part that broke my heart. 
because the symbiote that had just been defeated shows up. Is the original Venom. Yeah, exactly. It shows up and it plugs the hole and it keeps the place together long enough for their device to work and to save the world. And in that moment, I was hoping that Peter would accept the symbiote. I did too. And they would be one again at the end in that. The way it was back when McFarlane was taking the helm, a lot of people don't know that, and, and I know you know this, and I think this is what you're getting at, and forgive me if I'm, I'm, I'm making a miscalculation here, was that the symbiote loved Parker yeah. and was only with Brock in their unity of hatred for the rejection and the pain that Parker himself would cause both of them. Why not be together? Uh, in the second Venom uh, storyline when uh, he's going toe-to-toe with, uh, with Brock at the beach, and he takes his suit off, and he's like, come, and, come to me. And he's like, what are you, uh, you know, uh, and Brock's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, I'm not talking to you. And then he feels the, Brock feels the symbiote trembling. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, you're with me. No, he, the, 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 the symbiote has always loved Parker. Exactly. And that's one thing that, like, stood out to me that it would do that in order to sacrifice itself because it still did at the same time. Even though it was using Craven's bones, it still it still had that that lust. I, I don't know. Is that weird? I don't know. I don't know if it's lust necessarily, but it was definitely adoration. And Yeah. I just those last two pictures of Peter Yeah, it broke me, man. I just—that's Mark Bagley's best work. Yeah, it, it it hit me hard, man. And it wasn't just that; it was when he was saying goodbye in his mind to to Mary Jane, and he said, "No, you're my jackpot." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like that, like that. Everything was flashing as. As he's begging her, like, tell me they're gonna tell me the kids are okay. You know, what a what a perfect way to say goodbye. If, I, I imagine it's the type of thing that people that commit suicide think about when they imagine people at their funeral about, oh, I loved him so much. He helped me do this. He helped me do that. Um, because I've had friends that have fantasized about that. They fantasize about their death, their funeral. But in, in in Parker's mind, he was seeing what was what was what was getting finished, and she let him be at peace. And then when she gave Miles, like God, that fucked me, man. That whole like last <laughs> eight pages was just yeah. like like it, it. He's like, I don't know. I can't talk to people. I don't, you know, they don't know me. I don't know them. They remember Otto. Uh, my my body is fucked. Um, I, I don't want to do an event. She's like, maybe you need a, a fresh start. And she she's like, you already have the name. And she gives him Parker's Spider-Man outfit. Yeah. <clears throat> there should always be a Spider-Man. Good that's point. Not... I didn't think about it that way. And I, I know that our listeners probably might get tired of us always talking about Spidey. But you, if you love Spidey, Spidey this universe. much, 
Yeah. In, Why in do they every fight aspect. so hard to get Spidey into the MCU? Because there is a lot you can do with Captain America. There's a lot you can do to see the evolving character of Tony Stark. But Peter Parker Not like is the, the, the keystone of Marvel Comics. And if you don't have that, then it's just not what it needs to be. And so they're I'm supposed to have to a meeting this week. Buying Sony anytime now. They're supposed to have another meeting this week to figure some more shit out. Well, I mean they get it. They get it. They understand that. So I mean But yeah, even even if this was even if it was some Bullshit grab to put Spider-Man in, a, in a, another shitty Venom movie. Oh, I don't um, even care. That Venom movie was fine. I don't give a shit. It was entertaining for before. sure. What do we think about this title as a whole? This is the old man um, Logan of Spider-Man. This is something I pray God we don't see another issue of. Let it live you're as in my it mind. is. You read my Release mind. It as a hardback, this is a Marvel's quality book. Yeah, this is a masterpiece book for sure. They're going to release it. They're going to release it again. This is not a Blu-ray special edition director's cut. They're going to keep finding ways to make money off of this forever because it's abso-fucking-lutely worth it. One total issue out of the entire story was not as good as every other issue, and every issue still had something. They had complete artistic merit. Yeah. If this was but, uh, the last minefields we ever did. I'd be happy talking about this, this issue. I'd say that this this is a great place to end. And I'm not saying this is the end of our work. But no. this is by far and away something I'm very glad that we were able to talk about from beginning to end so far at the beginning of this sliver of our lives you know yeah it's been we started in what late february yeah man well we actually did we really start before christmas yeah we started before christmas but then when we started releasing episodes it was i want to say late february yeah we didn't think we were going to get anything done before may yeah (laughs) well at least i remember talking about that like yeah, we'll have at least one or two episodes by May, and then we can really hit the ground. And the next thing you know, uh, no, it's completely out of our control now. <laughs> it's a juggernaut. It's uh, a complete juggernaut. Um, that's all I got some... on Spidey for this episode, though. Say what? Say again? That's all I got on uh, Spidey for this oh, one. Oh, yeah, good. Tell me about House of X, and then we got to get into Marvel Comics issue 1000. House of X, I think I figured it out in terms of a, sh- like, because I hate time travel, uh, especially within the pages of X-Men. Uh, it, it's just, it's exhausting, and usually you're going to lose the reader. But House, uh, let's see, we're going into House of X, number three. This one I'm not going to give any spoilers over because Hickman finally gave us the legend to the uh, actual uh, Krakoan language that Doug Warlock, Doug, who, it's, it's Cypher, uh, who is 
melded with Warlock, and he's working, he's actually part of the creation of the expansion of Krakoa. We finally get the legend of how to decode the, the symbols that we're seeing throughout the designs of the actual comic book, not the actual innards of the comic book, what's going on in the story, if that makes any sense to you. There's secret messages, yeah. and we finally get that. And we get Scott talking with Xavier and Magneto. He's like, I'm scared. And Xavier's like, I'm proud of you. you if you die, you die. You, you, you're not really going to die because you died for our cause. And they figured out too early uh, ahead of the humans uh, plan that the orbiting master mold head space station that they're turning into a mother mold that is going to start shitting out more master molds, which in the future is going to lead to the evolution of master molds into Nimrods. Oh, and Nimrod, before, yeah. before, before you get to Nimrod, you get the techno-organic humans that are sentinels, the Omega, the Omega sentinels, into before you get to Nimrod. And in the last issue, uh, we see Apocalypse and his uh, legion, what do they always say, his, uh, his uh, four horsemen, and they're not up to no good. They're actually trying to break into Nimrod's um, database to figure out how everything actually started. And Wolverine's last semblance before everything goes to shit and everything's destroyed is he gives all the information to Moira, who her mutant power is regeneration, and she's going to learn how to like keep regenerating until they get it right to stop this awful future from happening. That's why they're showing it in four or three different versions at the same time. And we're getting an actual X-Men, like, knockdown drag out. Uh, as the... ...within the mother mold that's orbiting the sun sees that they've got incoming. And this is one of my favorite things I've, I've ever read in an X-Men comic book. Let me find it. Let's see. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Where are you? We've got incoming. Friendly? Right. No. Absolutely not. It's a modified <laughs> Shi'ar class scout. Only one possibility of who that is. The X-Men. And then you see the look on all the humans, and they know they are fucked. Mm -hmm. And it is it is a throwback to X-Men Blue, like the actual, like, the, the, the true blue guts, like the, 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 the heavy hitters of the X-Men, but it's not all the same team from back in 91, but it's still pretty similar. It's Cyclops, it's Wolverine, but Mystique. And you've got Jean Grey, who's actually Marvel Girl in this, and you've got Nightcrawler. And they show up and the humans are freaking out. Like, hey, send in the reinforcements. Reinforcements aren't gonna be here until we're all dead. Well, what are we gonna do? And they don't know what they're gonna do because there's a teleporter. And they realize that the the mutants have detailed plans and stolen schematics of where they are and what they're doing. And the head of the situation here plugs in and decides that he's going to save all the humans and sacrifices his own life and launches a, a bomb right under where the X-Men have landed, who have yet to actually board the actual base station and destroys the whole ship. And that's where it ends. And then, okay, are they dead? But are they really dead? Does it matter? Because Moira can see this. Yeah. 
what's going to happen. All I know is, is that I love it, and I hope you all love it too. And I, I can't wait. The only thing that bothers me is already they're showing like the variant covers, the new X Men number one that's going to come out in December after this story ends. And I'm like, come on, like at least let this go through before you let us know that it doesn't matter and something else is going to happen, or you're just going to hit the hard reset button, and we're going to have another just lame ass. Okay, X Men, let's go take care of some bad guys that are human that don't like us. Yeah. This story needs to be at least a year long. The, the story needs to be a year, long, a year long, but it's not. It's only been a few months, and that kind of makes me sad. But at least we're still getting it a little bit. But that's all I got for that one. I really hope y'all can, like, really eschew this. Because that's – this is something that if I was going to tell you something you need to study if X-Men was uh, a class at your local university, this would be one that – you're eventually going to have to study. But that's what I got, man. Well, let's finish up with Marvel Comics number 1000, which uh, we'll see how, let's see if I can do this without getting outrageously in-depth about it. Uh, oh, this oh, oh, is... oh I, I, I forgot to uh, give the credits. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay, credits for House of X. We, we, we can't move on. Sorry. Jonathan Huck Hickman, writer. Pepe Larraz, artist. Marte Gracia, artist. DC's Clayton Cowles, letter. Tom Weller, design. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> we can move on now. Sorry. I am not, not, not reading the credits to Marvel Comics <laughs> 1000. Yeah, we'll be here for a day. Yeah, uh, Al Ewing is the chief editor or mastermind, as they have put it in here. Yes, it is two solid pages of credits in single point font. Read it your fucking selves, people. Uh, <laughs> though, basically, I don't even. I can't even ascertain how many pages this is. This is a ten dollar well, book. Why? Why did it really lie? Like of all the books that came out this week. This is not the one I would have bet that lit a fire in your ass the way it did. Well, it's not that it lit a fire under my ass. It's just that I appreciate multiple a- aspects of it. And there were some emotional moments. What this is, is that it's the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics. And of course, Marvel Comics was Timely Comics before it was Marvel. And the first issue, there's beautiful. You open up the first page. And the uh, mostly black framework focuses on one panel from the first issue with uh, the Human Torch in Marvel I'm, Comics number one. And I'm pulling it up. It's a guy. It's a guy welcoming three other guys into a room, saying, "You're right on time." Every page of this book that isn't an Eight ad, bells. and there's not really that many ads, is its own story. Every single page. And this is a $10 book, so there are, I don't know how many pages. More than 50, that's for damn sure. And they all have a title, they all have their own credits, and the consistent through line here is The Black Mask. On uh, And each page also features what year they're referencing as to 
this is when this happened, or this is when it was the first the first time this happened in this book, or this is a notable appearance. And so we go back to 1939 on the first page. Al Ewing is the writer, and uh, it says, 1939, the Human Torch debuts in Marvel Comics number one. And this chronicles the beginning of, like I say, Marvel Comics. Next page, 1940, and these guys are talking about the Black Mask. And this uh, group of, I don't know, uh, super scientists, investigative types. We right. Don't know exactly. I'm, I'm looking at it. Is. So then, uh, you know, you go to 1941. We're still doing it. We got young Steve Rogers witnessing some kind of event with the black mask on his way to go in and get the super soldier serum. 1942, okay. we get this Ozzy type character talking to a guy on the phone. And it's he's talking to Jimmy Woo, the agent of Atlas. And then we then we kind of you know whatever we go into some other material. So the consistent through line is this business with the black mask. It is a cosmically, magically, okay. scientifically imbued mask that that gives the wearer the ability to be the equal of whatever they happen to be battling. And so what is this whole book, ultimately, when you have a, m- more than a, maybe two dozen pages devoted to this through line, but possibly this is an ad for the generation of a new character on the last page of this book. Okay. So this might be Poor one man. enormous ad campaign, thus featuring moments that are the that are uh, noteworthy of all of these different moments in multiple years of Marvel Comics. What I'm going to say is the standouts are of yeah, course. you want to read the Black Mask pages for sure. But my I'm two favorite right pages were pages uh, involving Mary Jane Watson from Spider Man. Is this where we're getting into it? This is where we're getting into it. You've got Greg yep. Land. Doing a doing a Mary Jane page written by uh, Jerry Conway, and she's writing about, or she's she's talking about in one page what it was to be friends with Gwen Stacy, and what it was to lose her, and why she stayed with Peter, or why she decided she was going to be with Peter after Gwen died, and you get this sense in one page that she knows. That she's never going to measure up to what Gwen was supposed to be for Peter, but she was just going to do it because Peter needed her and because she needed to get out of the prevails of her life. So that happens on, there's no page numbers, so I've quantified these things by looking at them, you know, year to year to year. And then you jump all the way up to the year of 2010, where she's being, uh, where is it here? It's a lot of flipping around to get to these things. You get into the business of what has her life measured up to. And it's kind of funny because the first appearance of <laughs> Mary Jane, she had a had a giant frond in front of her face. So we didn't really see who she was until uh, mm. she was fully revealed. And it was the famous, you know, you just hit the jackpot moment. And then... Of course... Blah, 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 all of this other stuff. 
That's a great page. The Pony Pen, Mary Jane. Yeah. Mary Jane Watson didn't appear, didn't marry Peter Parker. Or why she didn't marry Peter Parker is revealed in Amazing Spider-Man 638. I don't know, dude. It's all over the place. It's a really good moment that says, like, here's all the Yeah, there's a lot of things going on here. Yeah. I like the uh, Night Raven page, which was pretty cool because it was just a simple black and white one frame. And it was a lot of uh, vernacular, a lot of uh, just you know, paragraphs explaining this character's story. I'm not aware of this character. I don't know where he came from or where he's been, but the story was fascinating. The idea that this guy is virtually immortal and has been fighting against somebody who also is immortal for centuries. And at a certain point, they realize they're nothing without the other one. And I was there and then going, this by itself is its own amazing story. And if this is happening in the Marvel's, Marvel Universe, you have this basically immortal character yes. running around, I just know that I'm immortal and I can keep fighting for freedom or fighting for justice or fighting, for, fighting against Cobra or whatever the hell they want to do. And the only thing that can kill me is this other immortal person who's been gone for a decade. And I don't know where and I don't know why. Oh, my God, what a great story. So that was compelling. Like, I want to go back and figure that out. Uh, Spidey had multiple pages in here. The 1984 moment was really good. But uh, the one that really got me was the was the one titled The Root from 1994. Uh, basically, okay. Peter is telling an interviewer that People think that he just has this totally erratic route that he's all over the city and no one can ever track him down. But wherever he goes, no matter what he's doing, you know, if he's if he's not dealing with Thanos or Galactus or I don't know, whatever, the high evolutionary tonight, then he's just going out there and he's taking down, of course, you know, regular dime store dickwads. But what it amounts to is that more or less every night. Like a cop Jackie, will, JJ, sorry. like a cop that will pull you over touches your car. Take note of that if you okay. get pulled over next time. It, I asked him I'm, about I'm, it one I'm time. I'm noticing. I'm like, hey, why do you do that? And they're like, it just grounds me. It just makes me realize this is real. I need to take this seriously. My life is at stake because I don't know who you are or what you're going to do. And I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. So right. Spider-Man is doing that also. He goes to the building where Gwen, where Captain Stacy got knocked down and, and got killed by Dr. Octopus. He goes to the bridge where Gwen Stacy died, the George Washington Bridge. And he goes right. to uh he goes to the warehouse where Uncle Ben's killer was captured. But that's his route. One way or another, he's gonna end up in one of in those places every time he goes out. And that's just that's a big deal. I mean that just the guy is grounded in regret. And so to go on even further, let me find the page, 2017, near the end. Okay. They're asking everybody, you know, what is it that compels you? I'm still not there yet. There it is. What do you regret? And Peter Parker is up at the top and he just says everything. I was up. At, I was looking at one of those panels a couple of weeks ago, 
and the same question was asked and uh just the, the powerfulness of it just ugh, it, it's i gotta read this whole get in thing you're right it's 10 yeah. bucks gotta get the whole thing i mean the question is asked of like 11 p pe- or 10 people you know and uh they all have something <laughs> some of them are funny but somehow or another that one of peter breaks my heart but then somebody is asking the watcher who says regret should only be the province of immortals and that humans don't realize the time limit on their lives and how regret is wasted on someone who doesn't have that much time and i'm it, that's that's one of the reasons why comics i mean you can have some fairy ass live laugh love or some crap in your house or or you could take this page in the, in the very least but oh i hate those things you can have this page I get what you're somewhere saying, I get what you're saying. and you can go back to it time and time again and it will help ground you into who you need to be who you what you really really need to focus on there are two pages right next to one another that really got me also it's i mean they're just very emotional 2007 the family hulk what has the hulk always wanted nothing just to be left alone but he's surrounded you know he's got amadeus cho he's got sakar or scar rather he's got jennifer walters he's got right thing he's got rick jones He's got all these guys around him that have loved him, and he loves them back, whether or not it makes any sense. That page really got to me, and then the next page, Armor Disassemble from 2008, which is paying homage to the fact that the Iron Man movie came out in 2008. It's a, what is that, 4, 8, 12, 16 but panel look, page. Look huh? at that page, though. I look know. at that page, though. Look at look at the credits for that page. Uh, did Joe Karamanga do some inking work here? He must have because that's what I was commenting on earlier. The arm, the it, it is uh, armor disassemble from two by you know to the chronicling two thousand eight credits. Chip Zdarsky and VCs Joe Karamagna. We know him as a yeah, and then you... and there are no words on this page. It's twelve panels. No words. Exactly. Iron Man so Mark One revealing Iron Man Mark Two, revealing the Silver Centurion, revealing Iron Man Mark Seven, revealing whatever the next iterations are, and finally the armor breaks apart and Tony Stark's haunted expression is inside of it. And something about that expression like just chokes me up completely. And I hope you guys can hear this. Because then he breaks apart and just disassembles. He just break. He just disappears. And the last two panels are just dark, and it's I don't. It just fucking means something. It means a lot. Because I like Tony Stark. I like the character of Iron Man, but I think the mere fact that they tied that into the Iron Man movie does so much. There's something about Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal. And what really gets to me is that part where he's been to the event that he wasn't going to go to, and he almost kissed Pepper, and that didn't happen. And then he went home because the investigative reporter grills him on the events that are going down 
in some far-flung country that he's got weapons in. And that scene where he's cranking that long screwdriver, trying to make the armor work, and he blows up the TV, and he blows up the windows, and he blows up the next piece of glass. I think that is the most important part of the Iron Man chronology in the MCU because it was a hobby until that point. And then it became an ethos. I want to protect the people I put in harm's way. It's just a lot to digest, man. Whoever, I mean, Chip Zdarsky knows what he's doing. And whatever, whatever Joe Caramagna contributed to that. I don't know why, but some of these pages, they go right to the center of what I appreciate most about well-portrayed good fiction. We don't always get to see the better measure of ourselves. And these characters can even in one page profile who we better want to be. So uh, after that, I mean... It's what I want to see. Yeah, I agree with you. The Rick Jones page from 1999 was fantastic. The Daredevil page from 1998 was awesome. The uh, Speedball page for 1988, I'm like, why? Why? Does anybody give a shit about Speedball? Speedball is going on right now in the pages of Old Man Logan. Hmm. Yeah, I don't care. I like the Heirs of the Tiger. I like the uh, Punisher. Some of these were just wacky. Like, honestly... I was really impressed with Howard the Duck. Uh, he's having, you know, an existential, not a crisis, but a, a thought, a train of thought. And then he's relegated to merely being a uh, hostess. <laughs> like, if you go back and read back issues from the Bronze Age, the 70s, the 80s, and you see those ads for hostage pies, like fruit pies, Spidey would be in one, or Wolverine, or whomever, and they could defeat people who were... <laughs> they could defeat supervillains in one advertisement by just feeding them something tasty. <laughs> I don't know why. Something about that really, I, I just... That makes me laugh. Anyway, if you got a spare ten bucks, throw down for this thing. Get the through line. Realize it for what it is. This is, in some ways, a love letter to what all of these creators and artists got to see before them. And being able to work on something like this, something special that you can contribute to, this is the annual of annuals. But what it really boils down to, in the end, is, I think, the agony of the last page. Looking at all of these writers and artists and inkers and colorists and editors and everyone who isn't with us anymore. 
very timely. <laughs> Getting all misty over this, and then some fucking guy. A, a little off. misty. <laughs> what it amounts to is paying attention to what this has all done for us as readers and uh, collectors and warriors. Anything that, anything the least bit to improve your life with just a good story. If <laughs> in my life, I only ever get one moment of published content for this company. It will be a benchmark that I will never forget or live down. We're doing a damn good job of it, man. And I hope people get the idea that this is what happens when you take the time to know someone and love someone and enjoy something really uh, stellar. And I, I I don't know what our readers really are into other than Star Trek and <laughs> comic books and wrestling, but uh, if they're into anything else, man, I I hope that they find something that they can discuss because like this is like the highlight of my week. Honestly, I had a lot of stuff tied up into what I hoped was going to happen this weekend, and none of it's happening. And so, just being being here with you at this moment. Definitely is it, man. That's that's the most important thing I've done. We we get good content and we one thing I, I, I in to actually toot our own horn, we respect our readers and listeners. Like and I, it, it blatantly shows. I've had people tell me that. Like you guys take very good care. So we love you guys. Uh, I don't have anything else to add for this week's issue, man. No, we gotta get out of here. We're gonna stop. Jeez, <laughs> oh, are we like three hours already? <laughs> we are uh, ten minutes shy of three hours. Things being what they are, guys. This is minefields. Yeah. This is dangerous. If you got a second, crank out on Crystal mm-hmm. Methods Vegas and Prodigy's Fat of the Land, and you'll see where we're coming from. You got it. Pick up these books. <laughs> Or don't, you know, you don't have to. We'll certainly tell you what we think. But uh, if you have any questions, comments, content, throw it at us. We are always love to hear from you. Agreed. Lead us out, brother. Good night.